I'm asking all of my listeners, my proud supporters of our courageous men and women in blue to join me and express your unwavering appreciation for law enforcement. Pin Blue Line USA has stylish apparel, great accessories that make a statement and flags that fly with pride. They've got everything you need to show your support for law enforcement. Go to PinBlueLineUSA.com and shop a wide selection of products to show up your patriotism. Use code SID and get 15% off. Stand with me, Sid, and stand with WABC as we honor those who protect and serve. ThinBlueLineUSA.com. Once again, use the code word SID. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. With just five days to go until the Iowa caucuses, former President Donald Trump in a televised town hall in the state, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley debating each other on a different network at the same time. The other top two Republican candidates criticizing one another ahead of the first in the nation caucuses. And according to recent polls, they both trail far behind Trump in the Hawkeye state. They're going to find out tonight that there's going to be a lot of Ron's lies that have happened. There are at least a couple of dozen so far that he done. So what we're going to do is rather than have him go and tell you all these lies, you can go to DeSantisLies.com and look at all of those. There's at least two dozen lies that he's told about me and you can see where fact checkers say exactly what's going to happen and exactly why it's wrong. But every time he lies, Drake University, don't turn this into a drinking game because you will be overserved by the end of the night. Donald Trump should be on this stage. Every candidate needs to earn your vote. Nobody's entitled to your vote. And he comes in here every now and then, he does his spiel, and then he leaves. I've shown up to all 99 counties because it's important. You're a servant of the people. You are not a ruler over the people. And that's the type of president that I will be for. You have publicly criticized and personally demeaned so many of them. If you're given four more years, how will you convince good people to take the risk of working with you? So I have a lot of people that want to work with me. I have people calling just as I'm getting on the stage. I had a call from two of the very most important people in the military who want to come to work for me. Everybody wants to come to work for us. Uh, we're going to have no trouble. We had great people. We had a couple that were not great, stiffs, as I would call them. But that's true with anybody. But now I've gotten to know Washington. I've gotten to know the people. I know the best. I know the smart ones, the dumb ones, the weak ones, the strong ones. And I think you're going to see something like you've never seen before. Breaking news out of New York City. The judge presiding over Trump's multi-million dollar civil fraud trial now says he will not permit the former president to testify in his closing arguments. Not a surprise, or was it? Not surprising at all. In a way, it shows me that Trump is being treated like other folks. And I can tell you that if somebody you'd never heard of was a party and they filed a motion to say, hey, I know I have these lawyers, uh, but I want to give a speech at my closing argument in my civil case as well, that motion would be Denied. Nine times out of ten, 99 times out of 100. Uh, really, the judge has discretion to allow it, but I imagine he conducted his own balancing test between, on the one side, I need to maintain courtroom decorum, and on the other side, well, this ought to be interesting if I allow this. Back here in Washington, there are a few genuine surprises at the U.S. Capitol, but there was a big one. House Republicans were thrown for a loop when Hunter Biden appeared at a hearing called to hold him 
in contempt of Congress. Mr. Biden, you plan on testifying today? I think you was. The president's son walked into the House committee room telling CBS News he was willing to take a seat at the witness table. The committee was set to vote on whether to hold Biden in contempt of Congress for snubbing their subpoena last month for a closed-door interview. Biden has insisted he'd only testify at a public open hearing. I just want to ask unanimous consent. To swear in Mr. Biden. The quorum turned into chaos. Let's take a vote and hear from Hunter Biden. Republicans again today declined to swear him in. You said the witness can choose. Mr. Biden doesn't make the rules. We make the no, rules. 20 minutes later. Uh, excuse me, Hunter. Biden bolted, adding another chapter into the probe of his business dealings and the committee's claims without direct evidence the president benefited from them. Why are you choosing to leave now, Mr. Biden? Let us stay a while. I have a statement to make to the press. It was his attorney who spoke. Republicans have sought to use him as a surrogate to attack his father. Biden's appearance surprised even some Democrats. I had no idea. And fueled. You are the epitome of white privilege. What are you afraid of? You have no... The breaking news, Nick Saban has officially retired. I can not believe it. Here's the question, though. Right time or wrong time? I don't know that this was the right time for him to step away, given how good his team still currently is, and given the quarterback he has on the field in Jalen Milrow, who finished sixth in the Heisman Bowl. I mean, it's certainly unexpected, but I'm not surprised at all. The world is different in college football now. But, I mean, perhaps I'm just too close to college football now. It is a different world. It's not the same recruiting process. You used to be able to walk in a room and say, I'm Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. I coach Alabama. Got all these. Uh, you see all this? You see all this? You see these facilities? You see these these uh, these boosters? You see these fans? We are the standards. We're the standard. There's a couple other places that are cool. We them boys. We them boys. And they still are, but there are a couple other places who can walk in there too and say it. And now with NIL and the way the recruiting is, it is just different. I'm not saying that Nick Saban couldn't keep up, because obviously, as you mentioned, he's still in the mix. We're talking about whether it was time to walk away or not. But what I love about legends walking away on their own terms is they get to write the story.
can't go wrong right there. You're Thursday morning in New York City with Leonard Skinner, the classic Freebird at 609. Good morning, New York City and all throughout the country down in Florida. We've got listeners everywhere. Now, just a couple of days away from the Iowa caucus, but we did end uh, today's open once again done in brilliant fashion by executive producer Justin Ellick with the uh, the Nick Saban story. And, in fact, uh, all that commentary you heard was delivered by a young lady who actually started her radio career. Now she's a TV star. She started her radio career as uh, my producer, intern slash producer. Her name is Joy Taylor. She's lovely. Her brother, Jason Taylor, former Miami Dolphin Hall of Fame football player. He now works for the Miami Hurricanes, college football. But uh, Joy went on from working for me at 560 AM, WQAM, down in Miami. She went on at one point to be that moderator. <clears throat> you know that uh, that girl that uh, sits in between, I guess, uh, Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless and at one point, a girl that sat in between Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman. Well, Joy did that, and then Joy got this great promotion at Box. Ended up working alongside Colin Coward, which is a huge deal as Colin Coward's sidekick. And now she's got her own show, sports show, on Fox Sports 1. So she has, um, well, I guess you can say, Louis, my girl Joy, she made it. She's a big star right now. She made it. Every time I turn it on, I seem to see joy. that show. Yeah, She's got joy. You know, young girl and, again, lovely and smart and grew up in a big football household. So Saban calls it quits. You know, look, he's 72 years old. <laughs> and I remember Nick Saban was coaching the Miami Dolphins. And at that time, I was living in Boca doing sports talk radio in Miami. And he got to the Dolphins, and he spent two years as the head coach. One year he went nine and seven, and it was not a very good team. In fact, Gus Ferrat was the starting quarterback from Miami, and Saban found a way to win nine games. So he was doing a halfway decent job with a relatively untalented roster. And then the rumors started to swirl one day that he was leaving, and Nick Saban who through the years has made many a secretary cry, many, stood there just really, really tough. And he didn't want to hear it. And he pulled the old George W. Bush. Read my lips. Defiant Nick Saban, Nova Southeastern University, Davie, Florida, Dolphins Practice Facility. Read my lips. I am the coach of the Miami Dolphins. I'm not going anywhere. I am not going to Tuscaloosa. Next day, he's yelling about my head coach. Next day. I mean, these sports guys are so full of shizzle, all of them. Remember Bill Parcells used to get angry? I'm retired. I'm done. Here come the Patriots. Here come the Jets. Here come the Cowboys. But um, Saban was gone. And I can't believe it, Lewis, 
Because I was there that day at that press conference 17 years ago already. Nick Saban spent the last 17 years in Tuscaloosa winning a lot of football games. A lot. In fact, he won six national championships. He's got seven. He also won one years earlier at LSU. He's got 200-plus wins. Only Bear Bryant, another great Alabama head coach, won more games at the same SEC university than Saban. Saban is tied with Vince Dooley out of Georgia for the second most wins behind Bryant. So, legendary career, great coach, prick. I mean, yeah. real prick. Yeah, I I always get the impression some of these college coaches, like a, a, a lot of coaches, a lot of, that they invented the game. Right. Well, Saban is the best, though. Okay. He's the best. fine. But they strut around as if they have cured, you know, plagues that have plagued humanity for yeah. centuries. I know. They give, me the, they give off the Greg Popovich yes. feel. Nick Saban struts in. But at it's least like the, college football. But at least you're picking. You just mentioned two guys, whether you like it or not, or who are at the very, very top of the list. Okay, fine. My issue becomes when Mike Lupica acts like he created sports. That pencil neck little pussy. Well, I'm sure these guys have better deal people at parties too. Greg Popovich <laughs> yeah. can look around you uh, uh. while he's talking to you. Oh yeah, I admire your work. Oh, who's that over there? Well, I hate Popovich anyway because he hates Trump and he's a raging liberal and he's a jerk. He's a jackal. Oh, yeah. God. But Nick Saban, uh, same thing. I mean, I can't tell you how many people in Miami were thrilled to death when he left. He was just wasn't nice. No, he just it, wasn't I think, nice. I think Greg Popovich looks at these reporters as if, you know... Yeah, the reporters are one thing. I'm talking about people who worked in the same organization. Well, that's, he would make secretaries course, cry. That's the 20 times worse, yeah. obviously. Yep. You know, just, they're doing a job. Treat people as you'd like to be treated. Well, I don't know what, how we treated people at Alabama. I don't know. I was in Miami. I saw it firsthand. Maybe he became a gentler guy. I don't know. I don't know. I know that when you talk about the greatest coaches in the history of the game, two of them might be gone at each level. If Bill Belichick leaves New England, and, of course, you can argue all day he's not the best coach. You can talk about Don Shula. You can talk about uh, Paul Brown, George Hallis, Tom Landry, Bill Parcells. I don't care. And same thing with Saban. You can talk about Bear Bryant. You can talk about... The guys at Notre Dame, obviously, Era Parsegan. Uh, you can talk about, uh, Vin- and I'm not Dooley, but uh, the two guys that uh, you can make a very good argument are at the very top at each level might both be gone by this week. Now, now Belichick will continue to coach. I don't know about Saban. Like I said, 72 years old, seven championships. Now, look, he's still a young 72. Alabama still made, if you guys don't know how college football works, only four college football teams make the playoffs. Next year it's going to be 12, by the way. Only four this year. And his university made the playoffs and gave Michigan, who ended up winning the whole thing, a much tougher game than Washington did in the actual championship game. Michigan blew out Washington. Alabama had a fourth and goal in overtime and a chance to tie, if not win. So he's far from done, Nick Saban. But, you know, he can go home for one year. And all of a sudden, the Seattle Seahawks call him. Or the Jets. Maybe Robert Sella has a bad year next year. We'll <laughs> give you he... $30 million. <laughs> Here comes Nick Saban. Year. Yeah, please. I, you know, I could, a guy like that, though, 
Like we're talking about who gets in the broadcast booth. I actually see him doing a good job there. Nick, he'd be great. Because he's got a big personality. He's he does it all the time, yeah, too. He's, uh, that uh, Saturday show, right. College Game Day, he's on like every week, Lou. Yes. So he's got the experience at that point. Yes. Yeah. So the personality, that's the kind of person who will just say things, kind of a canon, and that's what you want. Oh, you're so caught up on Brady. I don't even know if Brady's going to do I it this year. I never brought him up. No, no, but when you say that's the guy, you are clearly trying to make a distinction because you think Tom Brady's going to be terrible. I don't, but I got news for you. I'm not sure Tom Brady's even going to do it. Well, we have, I got people what? at Fox telling me that Brady doesn't want to do it. Well, what's he going to do with all that money then that he took? Didn't he take this big? No, you don't. You don't. You got to get. You got to work. But you don't get, just get the money. So he just. He doesn't need the money. But what's he going to? So what do you mean he's not going to do it? He, I don't, I'm hearing he doesn't want to do it. Didn't he get paid though? Well, you don't get paid year. before you do a game. Yes, but I thought he already signed a contract. Okay, but he can say I don't want the money. I don't want to do it. It's not like they gave him a half a billion dollars. Well, they got to work. Lot, they gave him a lot of money. No, they, they gave, gave him nothing. No, they I, gave him a contract. Right, but I thought it was for hundred, a couple of hundred million. It, you're not listening to me. Okay. It was, but yes. he didn't get the money yet. All right. He has to work. Okay. So he can decide before he starts doing games, All right. when you I sign, don't want to do it. I thought when you sign something, that is sort of a commitment. Not it? really. Okay. And, and All right. he, you know, it's not like he's worked already and he hasn't worked one game yet. Not okay. one game. Okay. So he can decide he doesn't want to do it. So our points are never going to be proven. I don't know. Good or <laughs> it, like you said, there's a lot of money out there. It's a lot of money. It's like a half a billion dollars. But I guess he's okay. I don't know. I just spoke to one guy at Fox this week, and he said, and I quote, don't be surprised if Brady does not do the games next year. I wouldn't be surprised, of course. He's having a good time. He's flying all over the world. He's doing his thing, you know. So, Unlike Donald Trump, who flies all over the world and just gets maligned and beat up every day. In fact, my good friend Donald Trump, back in New York City today, Today are the closing arguments for his civil case. You know, Donald Trump wanted to testify, and I believe initially the judge was okay with it. I think that's the case. Either way, he's not going to do it. The judge will not allow it. This judge, this Engeron, is such a piece of garbage, the lowest form of humanity, the dregs of living souls, Poor Melania, Donald Trump's uh, wife, of course, her mother died. So Donald Trump's mother-in-law died a couple days ago. So Trump asked the judge, do me a favor, just delay the case. Just delay it. My mother-in-law just died. Nine out of ten judges wouldn't even think about it. No problem. You got it. Go grieve. We'll do this later. This son of a bitch, this Engeron is like, no. No, you're coming to court. No, I don't care that your mother-in-law is dead. I don't care that Melania Trump and you are grieving. I don't care. I've never seen anything in my life where this guy, who is the judge and the jury, there's no jury in, in a civil trial. He's the judge and the jury. This guy hates Trump so much. I mean, if it, no, he won't even delay the case when Trump's mother-in-law dies. Yeah, well, look, there was a reason they did it in this courtroom, and they wanted this judge, and Letitia James is getting exactly what she wanted. She really is. So those are the two stories surrounding that today, that Trump will not testify, and uh, the judge not delaying the case. And then there in the open, you did hear some of the town hall that Donald Trump did on Fox News last night. I think he had uh, Brett Baer and Martha McCallum, and he talked about uh, a whole bunch of stuff. 
One of the stories he did talk about was, well, I go back to the movie Animal House. And you may remember, and I don't remember the exact character who said it, but I think he was talking to Stephen First, who played Flounder, when he said, fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. It may have been uh, Dean Warmer. But uh, at any uh, at any rate, uh, Chris Christie checks two of those three boxes. I'm not sure he's drunk, but he's certainly fat, and he's certainly stupid. And he just ran one of the most embarrassing campaigns I've ever seen. At no point during this quote-unquote presidential campaign did Chris Christie say once how he's going to improve the country. Not once. Every time Christie spoke, MSNBC, CNN, even Fox News, all he did was malign President Trump. He was a fat, stupid embarrassment. I don't care if Brian Kilmeade likes him. I don't care if Anthony Scaramucci likes him. What a joke. So he dropped out. He dropped out. And when he drops out yesterday, he makes it sound like he was a legitimate candidate, like he ever had a chance. I don't believe he ever polled more than 1% anywhere. So if you missed it, Trump uh, reacted to this. I will get to that. This is Chris Christie dropping out of the 2024 presidential race. Cut number seven. I've always said that there came a point in time in this race where I couldn't see a path to accomplishing that goal that I would get out. Yeah. And it's clear to me tonight. Oh, tonight. Yeah. That there isn't a path. Moron. For me to win the nomination. Sure. Which is why I'm suspending my campaign tonight for president of the United States. Got news for you, fatso. It didn't become clear last night. The day you announced you were running, it was clear you didn't have a chance. He bye goes bye. on. Bye bye. He goes on uh, to finish that cut and say, but let me tell you, I am still going to do everything I can. I didn't play it. I am still going to do everything I can to make sure Donald Trump is not the next president of the United States. What are you going to do, fatso? So Trump, in that uh, town hall on Fox News last night, brought up Chris Christie. It's cut number two, Lou. Sounded like this. Chris Christie was uh, in, and uh, he got a hot mic I heard about. I thought, actually, the biggest story wasn't the fact that he dropped out. Nobody cared too much about that, but... He had a hot mic where he was talking to somebody about uh, the weather, and he happened to say that she doesn't have what it takes. She'll be creamed in the in the election. And, I mean, I know her very well, and I happen to believe that Chris Christie is right. That's one of the few things he's been right about, actually. So you don't think it changes the dynamic much? I don't know if it does or not. Look, we're winning uh, tremendously here. We're, I think we're 20, 24 points up. I brought some polls if you want to see them, you know, just in case. <laughs> but I think we're 24, 25 points up. But New Hampshire is interesting. It's a great place, a great state, unbelievable people. But uh, they allow independents and Democrats to vote in the Republican primary. You say, what's that all about? So uh, it's a little bit false in that regard. But even with that, I think we'll win substantially. What he was talking about is Chris Christie on a hot mic said that Nikki Haley was going to get smoked. And a lot of folks are talking about Nikki Haley. She's going to be impressive in New Hampshire. She will be. Trump just explained it to you. Everybody votes there. Democrats, independents. It doesn't mean anything. She's going to play very close to Trump in New Hampshire. 
and then get creamed in South Carolina after getting creamed in Iowa. She's got no chance. But here was the hot mic where Chris Christie said, Nikki Haley, she's going to get smoked. Lewis, cut number eight. They don't want to hear it. We know we're right, but they don't want to hear it. Mike. And, and there's, you know, we couldn't have been any clearer. Mike. We couldn't have been any more, any more direct or worked any harder. So, yeah, I mean, look, she spent 68 million so far, just on TV. Spent 68 million so far. 59 million by DeSantis. And we spent 12. I mean, who's punching above their weight and who's getting a return on their investment, you know? And she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. <laughs> she's going to get smoked. You and I both know it. She's not up for this. Chris Christie on Nikki Haley. Big show coming up today, folks. Curtis Sliwa, Judge Andrew Napolitano, Alan Dershowitz. A lot of rumors Donald Trump did intimate on Fox News last night. He's already picked his potential VP running mate. Will it be Elise Stefanik? Will it be Lee Zeldin? Zeldin getting all the rumors lately. We'll talk to Lee Zeldin today. And, of course, as we do every Thursday, the highest-rated segment of the week on WABC, Bill O'Reilly, Bill and Sid, coming up at 845. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Off to a fiery start. It's the Thursday edition of Sid and Friends in the morning, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Come on, Freebird! This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. So Aaron Rodgers Tuesday season four is uh, done. Yeah. Ah, next season. There's going to be a lot of people that are happy with that. Myself included, to be honest. With the way it ended, it got real loud. Mm -hmm. And uh, real loud. I'm happy that that 
is not going to be my mentions going forward, mm -hmm. which is great news. We're a conversation show. People are having conversations. We live in a country that has freedom of speech, but also you're going to have to deal with the consequences of your freedom of speech. So what I'm saying is we've given a lot of people who have been waiting for us to fail a lot of ammo and things to attack us for over the last week. And we would love to get back to the point where we just move on and continue to silence all the haters over here who can't negotiate as good as I can, all the people over here who can't create a show as good as us, and all the people up here who just can always be here, and they're going to hustle and do their thing, which I respect. But we need to do that, and that is our focus. That is our goal. And Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. He's a four-time MVP. He's a massive piece of the NFL story. Whenever you go back and tell it, he will be a huge part of it. We are very lucky to get a chance to chat with him and learn from him. Some of his thoughts and opinions, though, do piss off. A lot of people. A lot of people. And uh, I'm pumped that that is no longer going to be every single Wednesday of my life, uh, which it has been for the last few weeks. On Friday, obviously, I threw us into the fire as well. Forever stand by that. Everything else, though, <laughs> like, just can't do that and not what we want to be known for. And I'm also pumped that I have to do these types of talks sure. anymore. So with that being said, sports are alive right now. Saxophonist for Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band, the late great Clarence Clemens. This happens to be some of Clarence's solo work. You're a friend of mine, but man, I miss Clarence. I told you this story before. Of all the weird places to hang out with Clarence Clemens, I've gone to a million Springsteen concerts, but we talked yesterday that yesterday, 25 years ago, January 10th, 1999, 25 years ago yesterday, was the anniversary of the very first ever episode of The Sopranos. And the very last episode of The Sopranos, this is unbelievable, I've mentioned this many times, the whole cast, all of them, the late, great James Gandolfini, Tony Soprano, the late, great Tony Sirico, Paulie Walnuts, Michael Imperioli and Steve Sharippa, Lorraine Bracco and, you know, uh, Johnny Ventimiglia, you name it. They were all live at Jimmy Allen's 
Seminole Hard Rock and Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida. Somehow Jim convinced all these guys, Stephen Van Zandt, all of them, to actually show up at a ballroom at the hotel where you had to pay about 500 bucks, maybe a 1000 for dinner. And they actually showed on big screens the last episode. And when it was over, you had a chance to walk up to the stage and take pictures and get autographs with the cast. So I watched the very last episode ever with the whole cast. And afterwards, there was a private party at the Hard Rock where the cast partied with all of us. And I told you that Jimmy Gandolfini arrived in a terrible mood because he hated the last episode. He was furious when it faded to black. Over the years, before Jimmy died, he went on to appreciate what David Chase did, and he realized the genius behind it. But initially that night, Gandolfini was epping livid. But long story short, my table that night at the Hard Rock was me, former NFL great Bernie Kozar, John Ratzenberger, who played Cliff Clavin on um, Cheers, and Clarence Clements. I said, Clarence, you're a big Sopranos fan. I go, I love it. I love this show. And we talked all night about Bruce, saxophones, all that. What the, What year did he die? Do you know? He died in uh, 2011. Okay. So he's gone already 12 years. Yes, crazy. Is today his birthday or his yeah. heavenly birthday? Yes, his birthday. He oh. would have been 82. Would have been 82 years old. My God. He was a nice I, I He was a twice. very he's nice very, guy. Very, very good guy. Very docile, quiet, you know? Yeah. Um, but, nice. But a monster on stage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, that was his thing. He wrote a crazy book uh, a long time ago, obviously, before his death. And uh, it was entertaining. It was stories from the road with Bruce. Oh, I think it's called Tall Tales. I'd love this. I'd love to read that. Yeah, it was really. It's a quick read and it's uh, entertaining. You know, it's from his memory, and he wrote it with somebody else. But a lot of it is how they would get to the stage, what the protocol was, the road managers, all the little things. Like when they would get to a city in Europe, yeah, and like you know, they would be in contact, but you were on your own. And then the the other couple of road managers would make sure Bruce had these orders. Just make sure everybody's in that tunnel by seven forty five. Right, and right. We're on. You know, yeah. they would sound check. Of but see, with Bruce, that's not a problem. No, but trying to get you know Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. <laughs> and, you know, I remember Charlie Watts used to be furious. Couldn't get those guys. No, and Clarence had a little entourage with him. He he would have like a uh, holistic. A uh, person with, yeah. them, like, you know, with yeah, wind doctors and, and yeah. uh, massage therapists and stuff, because he was starting to get um, weird. A lot of, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> conditions and stuff. Well, he had yeah, no, back. he didn't feel well, yeah. Wrist. Yeah, back was a big issue. Woof. And the audio you heard there was from that psycho Pat McAfee. I can't believe the superstar that Pat McAfee, and again, I watch that show every Saturday morning. The ESPN College Game Day Show with, with um, who is the hell? What is his name? The host of that show? It's not Ravage. It's not Fowler. Maybe it is Ravage. No, I was thinking of Fowler. No, it's, he's gone. But they've got uh, you know Kirk Herbstreet and Desmond Howard and God bless him, Lee Corso and McAfee. McAfee's like the star now. And then he's got this own podcast show. He does. He looks like an idiot, by the way. He always wears uh, tank tops. And he was a punter. He's a big guy, but he's not. Cut up and muscular, 
Where's those eyes? Uh, you know, he's an ass kicker. So he wears those big I miss Texas cowboy rodeo belts. He sounds loud. Oh, he's just, well, yeah, it's, he's it's just crazy. brutal, you know? <laughs> but he was able to pay Aaron Rodgers like a million dollars, the Jets quarterback, for his weekly appearance. And every week, almost every week, Aaron Rodgers said something stupid or controversial. And all of a sudden, Pat McAfee was benefiting from that. And then they decided, I guess, Rodgers or the Jets, who knows, that he can't do it anymore. Because now Aaron is, again, the starting quarterback for the Jets. He was hurt during the year. So the backup, Zach Wilson, and others had to play. But now the season's over. And the new starting quarterback, again, is Rodgers. So I guess the Jets wanted to shut up. And McAfee said yesterday he's glad the segment is over. What a liar. Pat McAfee never got more attention in his life. Nobody what knew. What is he happy about? <laughs> Who is he? Yeah, but you know, when people knew him, I, look, okay. the sports world, he was, he's a star. You know, normal people like you who don't watch ESPN College Game Day had no idea. But you're right, Lewis, in that he became a mainstream. Now everybody knows Pat McAfee. Everybody. And it's because of Aaron Rodgers, not because of, you know, the Georgia football head coach. But uh, that's over now, so. So I got to tell you what a psycho Curtis Sliwa is. Okay, a new one. He's just a complete psycho. Nobody loves Curtis more than me. Evidenced by the fact he will join me in about 25 minutes, and he's on this show every weekday morning. Let me tell you, nobody else wanted that to happen. Nobody. Not even the bosses here. They were like, what? What are you, nuts? But I did it. And I think it's turned out to be a great move because, to Curtis's credit, he's a great radio guy. Small doses, of course. But he's a great radio guy. And every day he comes on, and he's great. He's not good. He's great. But his whole life, and I know he loves his wife, Nancy. I, I get all that. She's a lovely girl. And the, the, the cats, whatever. And he's, and he's a good father, too, mind you. But his whole life, the last couple of years is losing sleep over Eric Adams. That's it. So I am an event last night at, uh, you know, Nelson and Anthony's Hunt and Fish Club. They're in the theater district. And it's an event for a Democrat assemblywoman. I'll get to the specifics after this segment. And the mayor came. In fact, there were only three speakers at this event last night. One was this assemblywoman, Jen Rajkumar. One was me. And I was great. And one was the mayor, Eric Adams. So about midway through this event, I get a text from Curtis. You listening to him? Um, yes. And I get a text that go, it goes, I'm really disappointed, Sid. By the way, when he says that, it's lathered in sarcasm. He couldn't care less. No, no, no way. He couldn't care less. Right, but the idiot listeners are like, no, he's really mad. I mean, you people are so stupid. So he sends me this text. I'm really disappointed, Sid, and a picture, you ready for this? A picture of me and Adams on stage. Like, where do you get this from? He's got people Wait, in Adams' security detail, you can't make this up, that send him pictures, and he's keeping a tail on the mayor. <laughs> and he's telling me exactly what I'm doing, and I'm like, bro, this is, this is a bit much. Don't you think? So he's going to come on at 710 and go nuts because he was hanging out last night, I guess, with um, 
in Avernikov, Lavina, but I was with uh, the Democrats, and he had everything on his phone. That's not scary to you, Norm Lane? The guy has moles everywhere, so I'm not shocked at all to hear it. He really does. Discombobulated. He's got rats everywhere. So um, we got to get the curtain. But I do want to get to the night last night, too, because I saw a bunch of very fine people, some of my good friends. But it is 645 on your Thursday morning ahead of six great guests. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. Nick Saban officially hanging up his headset, one of college football's coaching greats who won seven national championships and turned Alabama back into a national powerhouse that included six of those titles. Announced his retirement yesterday after 17 seasons in Tuscaloosa. Quote, the University of Alabama has been a very special place to Terry and me, Saban did say in a written statement, quote, we have enjoyed every minute of our 17 years being the head coach at Alabama, as well as becoming a part of the Tuscaloosa community. Saban, who just ended his final season in a loss to eventual national championship Michigan in the Rose Bowl, won 201 games, tied with Vince Dooley out of Georgia for the second most wins at a single school in SEC history, behind only Bear Bryant, who won 232 games in his 25 seasons with Alabama. Under Bryant, Alabama reached dynastic heights, winning 13 SEC championships and six national titles. Saban returned the Crimson Tide to those very heights, winning nine conference crowns and six more national championships. Locally and at the professional football level, New York Giants and defensive coordinator Wink Martindale have finally mutually agreed to part ways. The team announced yesterday Martindale is free to sign elsewhere without restrictions, a source told ESPN. The Giants will keep the $3 million he was owed, according to the agreement by both parties. This comes as no real surprise, as we knew already that Martindale was expected to resign from his job. That decision came after the team fired two of his closest assistants, moves that prompted Martindale to curse out coach Brian Dable, a source confirmed on Monday. Sticking with the NFL, Pete Carroll is also out on the uh, out, I should say, as the Seattle Seahawks head coach after 14 seasons, 10 playoff appearances, and the franchise's lone Super Bowl championship. Carroll, whose Seahawks finished 19 or 9 and 8 and missed out on the playoffs for the second time in three Should seasons. Should have won two Super Bowls. Yeah, really. Hand the football off to Marshawn Lynch. That simple. Russell Wilson throws the ball, interception Patriots, yeah. Brady gets the ring instead of Wilson. There you go. But he had a nice run there, two straight Super Bowls. He's, well, he's got a, Very good coach. Hands down, the greatest coach I've ever had. Who, Seattle? Seattle? Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah. Well, he won their only Super Bowl. Right, and he went to two. But the, right. the, when they had Jim Zorn and those guys, when they were kind of new to the league... All right. They were uh, they were pretty good football Steve team. Dave Craig had some good years, right? Steve, Steve Largent and, and uh, the big running back. Uh, what was his name out of Penn State? A good player, Sean Alexander. No, no Sean went to Alabama. Right. Either way, uh, he is certainly the Seahawks' best coach, and uh, of course, uh, spent his early days coaching here with the New York Jets. Yes, he did, indeed, indeed. So we'll see uh, what I he... think he replaced Bruce Coslett. Wow. I believe really? that's the case. I mean, it was a long time, 14 seasons ago, man. I don't even know. Right, no, I think it was Coslett. And they had that, like, didn't he have, like, an epic collapse with the Jets? They were about to make the playoffs, and it all fell apart. I don't know. 
The loss of the Houston Oilers or something? I don't know either. I don't Houston care. Houston Oilers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why do I even talk about these things? I, I don't just, know. God. I don't know. Well. Where was Earl Campbell doing? <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> but it will remain with the team, so you won't see him coaching another. Oh, uh, uh, the great Dan uh, Pastorini. Right. Man. Listen, oh. I, I'm not convinced that. any of these people, Belichick, Carroll, mm-hmm. Nick Saban, won't coach again. What else are they going to do? Well, he still has a job at the Seahawks. He can't. No, he doesn't. Yes, no, he doesn't. But he does. He well, coached. In, it's kind of like... Um, um, you know, when Mark Chernoff fired me from the fan. I mean, I was fired, but... Right, just he, like it. But another team isn't going to hire him if he's on Seattle's payroll. But he'll leave Seattle's okay, payroll. So then, right, but that has If to somebody first. calls him today to coach a team and it's a good opportunity, he's off of Seattle's payroll. Yeah, you're probably right. They're just being nice to him. He yeah. coached him to two Super Bowls, and mm-hmm. they don't want to cut the guy's balls off. Right. Mm. But, um... Smarts. Yeah. Belichick, yeah. Belichick could go into public speaking. He's very good at He's right. very good at He's that. Right. He's good orator. Yeah. You know what's funny what you just said? Everybody who's played for Bill, and don't forget, Bill was here for two giant Super Bowl teams as Bill Parcells defensive coordinator. So I've talked to Phil Sims. I've talked to Lawrence Taylor, all these giant greats, and they all say the same thing. He's one of the funniest guys you'll we ever always meet. hear that, yep. Yep. So... The guy you see, you know, the curmudgeon after the game, press conferences, according to the players, that's not the Bill Belichick that coaches them. So, so uh, you just never know. Stop, stop, stop me if you've heard oh, this one before. It's, uh, two <laughs> linebackers walk into a bar yeah. and um, <laughs> uh, one comes back and says, I, I, I retired. <laughs> uh, I don't I'll, know. Be, <laughs> I'll be back for another one uh, later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, got, I got too many questions. I'm just worried about this week. I'm, I, I'm, right, yeah, I, just, I got one game and it's, I got a game this week. I'm just worried about this week. That's right, yeah, I have this week. Right, so. uh, just leave the fee on the table. <laughs> <laughs> on the hardwood uh, off day yesterday for our local team. Nixon Nets back uh, in action tonight, this afternoon, or this afternoon even, 2 p.m. The Nets are out in Paris to take on the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA Paris game. That's Paris, France. Then tonight we'll return stateside to watch the Knicks tip off at the Mavericks in Dallas at 8.30. No local ice hockey action last night. Either all three local teams back on the ice tonight. The Devils will visit the Lightning in Tampa Bay at 7 p.m. Also at 7 p.m., the Islanders get going at home against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then later on at 8 p.m., the Rangers return to action in St. Louis oh against the Blues. Yeah. That's sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Stop believing as we wrap up our number one. So last night, I saw my boy Nelson. I love Nelson at the Fish and Hunt Club, which is co-owned, you know, by Anthony Scaramucci. But the Mooch, he'd be in Davos. He wasn't there last night. And this was um, my monthly dinner. My good buddy Keith Kantrowitz, 
Mr. Power Mortgage, Power Express Mortgage, excuse me. Keith Kantrowitz has been putting together these dinners. And every month, a bunch of us go, I love Keith. Love him to pieces. It's Keith, it's me, it's sometimes Paul Carlucci, Anthony Carone. He wasn't there last night. His brother Joseph was there. Uh, sometimes Mark Simone comes. My friend Barry, who owns Flash Dancers. There's a bunch of us. So last night's monthly dinner turned out to be a fundraiser for a young lady who was a local assemblywoman out of Woodside, Queens, who's running again. She's the first Indian woman to win, I believe. Her name is Jen Rajkumar, and I like Jen. In fact, you may remember after October 7th, that horrible day in Israel, when anti-Semitism really started to catch fire here in New York, they drew swastikas on the gates and the front window of the 2nd Avenue Deli, which is not on 2nd Avenue. But we had a press conference there, and it was Keith and Jen Rajkumar and me and a host of others. Rabbi um, Batajnik was there last night as well. So I've done a bunch of stuff with Jen over the last couple of months, and I like her a lot. And the whole crew was there. My buddy Mark Oranger, I love Big Mark. I said Joseph Carone. I met a lovely lady, Barbara LaBarca. You had uh, Mike and Marilyn Kemper. I love them. Mike, of course, uh, leads the transit police. His wife, Marilyn, is a superstar. Fiona and Joel Kahn, Tony Mahadeo, Minash Shapiro, who is the assistant to the chief of staff of Mayor Adams. You had Skye and Gina, Eileen Jimenez, Eleonora Sarugo, her friend Giselle, Bobby the Brat, Bo Deedle's friend Louie. Big crowd. And then, of course, you had the um, the big star, Jen Rajkumar, and the mayor. Actually, Jen's chief of staff, Viola, was there, too. So Jen spoke, then Mayor Eric Adams spoke, and then I spoke. You know, and Jen and Eric talked about how the city is more united than people think, and the hate has to go. And I guess my role was to stand up there, and the first thing I said was, and I'm about to say two words that a lot of you are going to find detestable, and I don't care. And those words are Trump supporter. I am a Trump supporter. I love him. And I know you, Mayor, you're a Biden supporter. God help us. And the mayor started to laugh. Got a good sense of humor. But I said, it's important I'm here tonight because you don't usually see a Republican, a Trump supporter, at a Democrat event. But I was there. I could have easily been with Curtis for my friend Ina Vernikov. I could have easily been with Peter King, who last night was helping out Mozzie Polipe in her race against Tom Swazi, hanging out with Vicky Palladino. But I didn't do it. I was actually hanging out with a bunch of Democrats. But I will say this. Had a crowd of about 70 people there last night. And when I said I was a Trump supporter, remember back in 2016, if you said that, if you were lucky, you got that golf applause because people were scared to death. And I said at this event last night with Democrats, I'm a Trump supporter. It was the loudest applause of the night. And I walked off the stage, and a lot of these folks did not know who I was. Shocking, but true. And they loved it. Point being, Republicans, Trump supporters were everywhere, even at Democrat events. All right, big guest list about to come your way. Six great guests 
over the next three hours, Curtis Sliwa, Judge Andrew Napolitano, Alan Dershowitz, Bill O'Reilly, Lee Zeldin, and Nancy Mace. Beat that guest list, folks. Ain't going to happen. Hour two, coming up. In the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Broken glass everywhere. People pissing on the stage. You know they just don't care. I can't take the smell. Can't take the noise. Got no money to move out. I guess I got no choice. Rats in the front room. Roaches in the back. Junkies in the alley with the baseball bat. I tried to get away, but I couldn't get far. Because a man with the potential repossessed my car. Don't push me. Because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like a jungle. I know Curtis so loves this song. So why do I go to these events? I'm not going to talk about the people who bring him up, but Curtis's name comes up. More than I'd like. It's kind of like Pat McAfee and Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> you know, but well, I spend my whole damn life defending Curtis Sliwa. I don't know exactly when that started or why, but I feel compelled to do it, not only because I really genuinely love the guy, I really do, but I think he does a really good job. But he does every now and then go after certain people that don't deserve it, and then I got to hear about it, you know, and I got to tell him, don't worry about it, he's just crazy and it's fine. He doesn't mean anything by it, you know. And that just uh, makes him even more angry, so I can't even tell him anymore. Who says things about him? I can't do it because he'll do the whole rip and read. He's like Trump in that respect. He hates Trump. He's just like him in that respect. He's all about retribution. So I was at the mayor last night, and as I told you earlier, I mean, it wasn't my event. It was Jen Rajkumar put on by the great Keith Kantrowitz and Nelson. And I start getting texts from Curtis with pictures of me and the mayor. And it felt dirty. It felt like uh, George Orwell. 1984, like, what is going on? Look, he's so happy, Curtis. Look at this guy. <laughs> he hasn't had a hard-on like this in 30 years. <laughs> so anyway, we'll get to the uh, the whole thing with uh, with the big night last night, because I know Curtis was with my friend Ina Vernikov. Gets big ratings, rip and read, noon to one every weekday afternoon. Also gets big ratings doing overnights, all weekend long, and people can't wait. You know, it's really a, a two-fold thing, Curtis. Some people can't wait to hear you with me, and some people are scared to death to hear you with me. So here he is, the legend, the icon, Mr. Guardian Angel, Curtis Sliwa. So, so how do you have pictures of me? I know it's about the mayor. You're, you're obsessed with the mayor, but when I'm involved in the, in these photos and text messages, I get nervous, Curtis. I gotta be honest. Should I be? Well. <laughs> 
Let's just leave it at depending on what you're doing. Sid. Right. Yesterday, I was so proud of uh, the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District, Damian Williams. And I heard this from one of the assistant U.S. Attorneys, because, you know, I know them well. Four trials with the Gattis and Gambinos who tried to kill me by shooting me with five hollow point yeah. bullets. Well. Hey, hey, you, you didn't do the job. You want to come back and try again? But anyway, the point was a huge press conference. And he said, my focus is going to be public integrity. I want to go after crooked politicians and crooked elected officials, Democrats and Republicans. And I mean, you talk about, uh, premature ejaculation. Oh my God. When I, when I heard that, I said, I am going to be an extension of the public integrity unit. And I, well, I got rats everywhere, as you know. That's why everyone in City Hall listens to this segment, 705 Monday through Fridays, and and more, increasingly more one police plaza, because I drop time on everybody. So while you're there, you're enjoying yourself with the lady in red, Jen Raj Komar. She's a nice girl. She always wears red. She, she like always me. wears red. Like me. Just like you. Couldn't be more opposite. What, one time, I think she wore orange. When she came to the WABC gala, that may have been orange. But now I've had a couple of dinners with her and a couple of events. Always wears red. Always. Doesn't she realize it's a Democrat red means Trump means MAGA? Doesn't she realize that? I don't think she cares. I don't think she can actually process that, to be honest with you. Having talked to her like just one time. Oh, wait a hold, on, hold on. Did you just basically say that my friend Jen is stupid? No. You said it. No, you said it. No, but you can't process that red Look, is Trump is every MAGA. Every Democrat will tell you if you're wearing red, what are you, MAGA? What are you, Trump? You know that. <laughs> right. I get that all the time because right. I wear guardian but, angel but, red. But, but she is above that. It's childish. It's stupid. And she's above that. So why not give her credit rather than she can't process it? All right. You wear red and you hate Trump, too. Uh, I don't hate him. I've had a love-hate oh, relationship with Trump. You know that. Oh, look, I'm you wearing I'm wearing off on you, baby. No, no, no. I've had oh, a love-hate. Yes, hate you, yes, I am. I said that all during the well, Mayweather campaign. Let me ask campaign. you this. If the, if the election is tomorrow, tomorrow, yes. and you got to vote. And, and I vote. only have two choices, right? Biden and Trump. Oh, I'm voting for Trump. Okay, good. Okay. All right. There's no way. But I want to see which independent candidates emerge. Well, which one? Independent candidates. Will you stop talking like an idiot. What independent candidate are you going to take seriously? What independent candidate is going to get more than We haven't votes? even had one primary yet. Stop it. And by the way, your very dear friend, oh, yeah. Scarmucci, that skifosa, <laughs> yeah. what was he, organizing a pump and dump scheme for penny stocks in Dallas? He wasn't there last night. Be honest. He was in Davos. Yeah, because his boy, Shamu El Jefe Chris oh, Christie, that he bankrolled, yeah. was bowing out. And actually, he was sitting shiver for the next eight <laughs> He's days. Probably right. You're right. While he was raising money for for bitcoins, which is bitcoin. You know that. <laughs> Come on, be honest here. Now he's in Davos, but uh, Fatso, Fat Stupid Chris Christie, to Curtis's point, did bow out. We're going to play this right now. Cut number seven, Lewis. But what amazes me is it took Chris Christie until last night to figure out that he wasn't going to win. <laughs> But, of course, we know it was never about winning for Chris Christie. He just wanted to go on TV and badmouth Donald Trump every day. How did that go, Chris, as Trump continues to increase his lead in the polls? Here he is, fat and stupid, 
saying goodbye last night. I've always said that there came a point in time in this race where I couldn't see a path to accomplishing Please. that goal that I would get out. <laughs> right. And it's clear to me tonight. Tonight. Tonight, yeah. That there isn't a path. Oh, really? For me to win the nomination. One percent, Chris. Which is why yeah. I'm suspending my campaign tonight for president of the United States. All right, so Scaramucci's in Davos. You're right. He's probably sitting shiver because he put his money. And you know where. And Steve or- Cohen did, too, the owner of the match. Yeah. Orca the killer whale has <laughs> gone to SeaWorld. He will now be seen in SeaWorld. Shamu, El Jefe, Chris Gritzy, get the hell out of here. But let me get back on so track. Now we are down to four, just for folks who are keeping score at home. Trump, DeSantis, he'll be gone after Iowa. Haley, she'll be gone after South Carolina. And Vivek Ramaswamy. Isn't it interesting that the mayor was with you, hobnobbing with you, and I was in Brooklyn where he should have been. First at the F-train derailment, which is the second derailment in a week at West 8th and Neptune. Your old uh, I'm familiar with it. I know that Mike Kemper was all over it and uh, did a very good job getting it done. Yeah, meantime, he was there partying. It was over at that point. It was last night. No, it wasn't over. It was over. Then it was Brennan and Carr, your favorite place to meet, where I was meeting with the War Council because, you know, today I begin the fight back to take back Floyd Bennett Field and give it to the people of Brooklyn and uh, the Irish Riviera, the Rockaways. Three o'clock today. People can meet me outside the King's Plaza at Flatbush Avenue and Avenue U. Is that right? It's three o'clock? Yes, three o'clock today. Um, You know, I have to be in the city today. It's okay. I'm going to be in the Rockaways this weekend. You know me when I start. Boom, I'm not. So that's three o'clock today. I had my War Council meeting. Mike Mike Sullivan was there. I'm not going to tell you who was there. Oh, really? I mean, well, this is this what, is big. Was Joe Murray there? Uh, this is big. I'm not going to tell you who was there. Okay. Because we were discussing, uh, um, well, actions that would clearly get people arrested. I'll just leave it at that. Then the South Republican GOP, I stopped in Ina Vernikoff, PAC meeting at the Knights of Columbus, place you know well, Nostrand Avenue. Yes. Right down the block from where you lived on Quinton Road. And uh, keynote speaker, he had a great speech. It was all about the migrant issue and what was happening in that area. Your very dear friend, leader of the Young Republicans, Gavin Wax. Oh, Gavin spoke there. Yes, excellent. Very, I love Gavin he Wax. He stayed right on message He's to terrific. what was happening He's there. He's great. In fact, I'll tell you this. When I saw Gavin that night a couple of weeks ago at Cipriani's, and I was hanging out with President Trump, there were three speeches that were amazing. It was Trump. He's always amazing. Matt Gates was actually great that night. And Gavin Wax, people were like, oh, my God, this guy's terrific. It's an excellent So I'm not speech. surprised. Yeah. yeah I, but I had to leave because I had a meeting with one of the custodians at Madison High School. Wait, this is all one day for you. This is all one day <laughs> for me, okay? Uh, so one you of the custodians, Madison High School? Yeah, one of the custodians, maybe two blocks away. Couldn't make it so obvious. Uh, and he told me exactly, he said, Curtis, what a disgrace. The Office of Emergency Management came here, Iskoff. And they just turned this school upside down. They didn't know what they were doing. It was chaos. There was no plan at all. They bring over 2,000 illegal aliens. They cancel classes. They don't inform the parents. They just created unrest when it wasn't necessary because nothing happened to the tents. There was no reason to move them out of the tents. But today at 3 o'clock, I begin the take back of Floyd Bennett Field because both sides now agree. 
Both those who want to bring more illegal aliens in and people like me who want to send them out. Me too. People should not be housed in Floyd Bennett Field in tents, no matter who no, they No, they are. should not be in Floyd Bennett Everybody Field. agrees that, and uh, we're going to push uh, the issue I on I agree, that. too, but the, these kids should also, and these families, should not be at Madison High School, where other kids are forced to uh, do that nonsense Zoom, which was proven during COVID does not work. So going back to that Yeah, story, but wait a second. I'm, I'm going to suggest the alternative because we have bad weather coming up. Well, before you do the alternative, in a row, I do yes. want to play this Brooklyn mother who was outside Madison High School, very upset that her kid couldn't learn at Madison. And again, I grew up right there, two blocks away, yes. 2216 Quentin Road. So here is a mother of a Madison High School student, obviously a neighbor of mine over the years. This is cut number 13. She's pissed. Problem is, the Venezuelans had no idea what she was saying. They only understand. I, I, I sympathize with the mother, but mother out there, whoever you are, hopefully you attend the rally today at three over at Kings Plaza Avenue. You and Flatbush, they didn't understand a word you said. But I am going to make a suggestion today because we are having two days of bad weather coming up, back to back, belly to belly, in two weeks, back to back. Poly prep. A beautiful campus there. Send Stop them all it. There. No, why not? Stop it. Didn't now some shady shark and send his two daughters there? Didn't they get some kind of scholarship? Yes. Yeah, a yeah. Lot, but a lot of famous people did. John Good. Franco, Steve Sharippa. Good. Let them stay no. at Poly No, that, that's the Ritz, baby. Oh, what's oh, the Oh, what the elite can't have. You, you better be, if you took a poll of Poly Prep graduates now, yeah, we want to help the illegals. You're your friend, Arthur I. Dollar, Tapioca Head. Oh, yeah, we should help, help the illegals. Good. Put them on that campus. But now the big meeting I had yesterday, I'm not finished. Two hours with the one Democrat you love, Bob Holden, of Middle Village, Maspeth, and Glendale, Queens. Well, I do like other Democrats. I mean, I was with a couple last night that I do like, but I'll give you this. When it comes to Holden, what I will say about him is he's the most, and John Katzmatidis are like this, he's the most common-sense Democrat I know. Is that fair? He's the best. The There's best. no doubt about it. So he said, hey, I need your help here. I've had hearings in city council in which the NYPD has been there. And I said, I understand there are two million names on the terrorist watch list. Two million names. Two million. Two million. That's a fact. He says, I understand that China, Mexico, and Venezuela will not cooperate with ICE. Will not. Under any circumstance. China, Mexico, Venezuela. And the fourth is the NYPD. They are forbidden to share info with ICE. They are not permitted to tie into the computers of ICE about the two million people on the terrorist watch list. And that was implemented when that disgrazia came in here the other day, Bill de Blasio in 2019. He actually came into Studio 77. He fouled it. 
I'm going to ask John, can we change the carpet? Can we just completely change <laughs> Studio 777? This guy who totally destroyed our city. And by the way, on Friday, I'm revealing. It was quite the battle that took place. Anthony Weiner was coming in, and the guy with the black shoe polish in his head, de Blasio, was going out. And boy, they had words. You're kidding me. They had words. They're both Democrats. No, no, no. It had words. Really? First of all, there's no more black shoe polish. His hair is like a weird pink brown. I will, he looks ridiculous. I will save it for tomorrow, really? 7.05 in the morning. I you figured, will have exclusively. I figured those two guys would be asshole buddies. No. Really? It, it was bad. Really? It was bad. You better be listening well, tomorrow can, at 7.05. Can, can, uh, of course, I'll be here. But can you give me one example of no. one issue? Oh, yes. One issue. Uh, the, inner, the inner circle two years ago, Anthony Weiner was there. We were all there sitting at John and Margot's table. And Bill de Blasio walks in like he owns the joint, right? And he goes up to the table. I leave. I don't even want to be in the company of this guy. And Anthony Weiner stands up. Everybody stands up. He shakes a hand. He disses Anthony Weiner. He brushes him off. Anthony puts his hand out to shake his in front of everybody. And Bill de Blasio just brushes him off. No. I hate to say it, but that's happened to Anthony before. No, no. I, I saw people at the WABC gala actually get up, including Janine, and leave the that's table. Di that's different. Why this is that different? This is de Blasio who destroyed this city. I city. understand that, but Anthony's got to understand that not everybody is all They're that not forgiving. Understood. Not everybody's all that oh, forgiving. Oh, so you're siding with de Blasio now, huh? In this case, this I This guy am, yes. who won't let ICE... And the NYPD worked to are, keep them. No, it's those not. Those are two different arguments. He destroyed this city. I agree How with you. Yeah, you said. <laughs> no, one night with Eric Adams, <laughs> and all of a sudden, what did he do? Swap spit with you? And let me tell you something. Yeah. I was spying on him. I got a tail on him in his own police intel unit right across the area where you had the show that's playing there. Oh, my God. How to dance in Ohio at the Belasco. Why don't you remind Eric Adams what he said just two years ago? Two years go back ago. To Iowa. You go back to Ohio. New York City belongs to the people that was here and made New York City what it is. Telling white people, you go back to Iowa, you go back to Ohio. You are a self-hating white man to even be seen with him, said. What the hell is wrong with you? On a night he should have been in Brooklyn dealing with all those I, problems. By the way, I wasn't invited to go to Brooklyn. I am the mayor in exile. I was there. People appreciated well, how come you didn't that. invite me? You know I was going to be with Keith Kantrowitz last night. You oh, never yeah. invited me. Oh, yeah. Like you would have given up being with Jen Rajkumar. She couldn't, nobody would know her if you put up a police lineup. She wears a red dress. Oh, yeah, I got, you know, the last person to wear a red dress was with John Dillinger. <laughs> That's how the FBI you knew it's Dillinger. You bam, bam, bam. You are funny. The food was better at the Hunt and Fish Club. No, no. Oh, you want to no, put no. in a car. That's it, pretty damn good. It's the Bergen Hunt Fish and Shoot Human Beings Club. No, it's Club. not. That was Named in honor of John Gotti Sr. <laughs> at 101st Avenue in Ozone Park. That shows you where Scarmucci's head is. I got one more thing for you. God, you're so sort of, pissed at you today. I know you are. Don't be angry with me. You know I love you. I got, I got things to do. I got people to see. I'm not swapping spit with you. <laughs> By the way, nobody wants to have meetings with me because of you saying I have scabies. <laughs> well, you know what I heard? You know, Bob Holden wanted to have a meeting. Him and his staff, no. they wanted to keep me in the other room. Zoom. Do it, Zoom. I heard that the migrants at Madison High School have scabies. Did you hear that? No, hair lice. 
Both. Hair lice. Uh, whatever. So, no, no um, scabies. Hair lice. So one more. I just got a text from Peter King. So you were with Ina Vernikov last yes. night. That was great. And Peter was with Mozzie and I believe our friend Vicky Palladino. Peter was on this show yesterday. And I did press him about Mozzie re-registering as a Republican. And no matter what I said, he just doesn't listen to me. He's going on and on about how great she is. Peter, I get it. I think she's great, too. Wait, wait. The day before, she said she'd do it in a Correct. heartbeat. So I said to Peter, I go, you have to understand, we need her to win. This is not a joke. There are people that will not vote for Mozzie because she's not a registered Republican. Correct. And he's like, well, they're stupid. I go, what kind of, it doesn't matter. Whether, we have to win. They may be stupid, but the point is, if they will vote for her, she re-registers, just effing re-register. Sure. Sure. And I couldn't get through to When are you going to wake up and understand this? This special election is all about the money for both sides. You're going to have Swazi's team, the Nassau County Democrats, led by Jacobs. They're going to raise $10 million. They already got $6 million. The Mozzie folks, led by Peter King, the consigliere, to Chairman Cairo. Who the hell walks around? Oh, it's the chairman. All bow to the chairman, right? They're going to raise $10 million, right? Then there's going to be a primary in June. They're going to be raising again. The consultants are like pigs. They got their beak in the trough. And then there's the general election in November. When are you going to realize they know that they can raise more money for Mozzie when they go to the RNC in Washington, who couldn't find Nassau County on our map, and they say, look at what we have. Check the buckets. She's black. She's Ethiopian. She's in Israel. She fought with the IDF. She's got seven kids, and she's a Democrat that we support. They are going to have excitement like they've never had in their life, the RNC in Washington, and they're going to pour money into the campaign. Sid, follow the money. This is not about who's right, who's wrong. Both sides are going to be making millions, and the consultants have their beak in the trough. They're Hazarai. You know what Hazarai is? Do I need to explain that to a booker boy like you who went to shul on Ocean Parkway? A Hazarai. Pigs! It's all about the money! She could change her registration tomorrow. She said on your show, I will sign the papers tomorrow. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to track her down, and I'm going to have the registration papers and say, Hey, imagine this is the Constitution of the United States. Sign on the bottom line that you are a Republican running against Swazi. How about that? Then what the hell is Chairman Cairo and Peter King going to do? Huh? And D. Esposito, oh, be nice to her. Then don't rough her up. She did a great interview. Let her become a Republican. She said she would do it in a heartbeat. It's time. Sign on the dotted line. And run with the creeps, because it's all about money. Ain't a damn thing funny. You got to have a con in this land of milk and honey. To twist that girl in front of the train. Took her to the doctor, sold her arm on the game. Stab that man right in his heart. Gave him a transplant for a brand new start. I can't walk through the park cause it's crazy after dark. Keep my hand on my gun cause they got me on the run. I feel like an outlaw. Broke my last glass jaw. Hear them say you want some more living on a seesaw. Don't push me cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. You say what? It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep them going under. Sick.
is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I do have some uh, breaking news, breaking news. It's not that Donald Trump is back in New York today for the closing arguments of his civil trial, which is true, or that Hunter Biden is in court today out in Los Angeles about his tax issues. A lot of sports news with the NFL regular season and the college football season coming to an end. We found out yesterday that the Seattle Seahawks, are done with their head coach, Pete Carroll. 14 years, two Super Bowl appearances, one Super Bowl win. Then we woke up this morning to find out that maybe the greatest college football coach of all time, Nick Saban, resigning at the University of Alabama. 17 years, six national championships. But now the big one. We've been waiting for days for this. Looks like it is official that Bill Belichick is out. He is out as the head coach of the New England Patriots. Fact, there's already been a press conference called for noon this afternoon. Bill Belichick, Bob Kraft, the owner of the Pats, set to talk. Noon today, it becomes official. Bill Belichick is out. So that's uh, quite a day. These two guys are both mentioned. You could argue all day they're not. We did this at 6 o'clock in the morning, but you could argue they are. Saban, the greatest college coach, done at Alabama. He resigned. Bill Belichick, maybe the greatest NFL coach. It's now official. He is out in New England. Yeah, I think that it's kind of a discussion for another day. We got we got things to we got <laughs> I, I, we got things to talk about now. I mean, I've got other things on my mind, obviously. Right yes, now. Bill. Yes, I, I understand. Got, um, yeah, Trump. Um, Trump. Well, yeah, that's. Yeah. I, I don't know if I want to discuss that. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to discuss it because I got uh, the great Judge Napolitano coming up next, and I have to tell you that of all the people I've covered 25 years of doing sports, politics, news, all of it, this Judge Engeron here in New York is the biggest piece of garbage I've ever covered. I mean, he's just. A low life. I don't care if he's a judge. He's just how this guy is able to stay on this when he's the judge and the jury. He doesn't dislike Trump. He hates him. And if you ask this guy why, he couldn't answer. Get him out. Trump's mother-in-law just died. Melania's mother just died. Trump asked the guy to delay the. No, no, no. And I guarantee you. That if Judge Napolitano, somebody in his courtroom lost their in-law, he would delay it in two seconds. Any decent human being would do that. Not this lowlife, Judge Engeron. So Trump's got to be in court today while his wife and him are both grieving over the loss of his mother-in-law. Absolutely despicable. So we'll get to what uh, Judge Napolitano, as well as Alan Dershowitz, Bill O'Reilly, Lee Zeldin and Nancy Mays. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
J. Blige, 53 years old today. Happy birthday to Mary. This, my old partner Bernard, God rest his soul. Love you, Bernie. He loved this song. A little more of Mary J. Blige, 53 today. Come on, baby. She could, man. She could. By the way, talking about uh, Bernie, found out that. New York's dear friend, not just Sid Rosenberg or Bo Deedle or Joe from La Sorrentina, New York's good friend, Joe Esposito, will be laid to rest. Uh, Monday is his wake, but Tuesday, in fact, I gotta leave the show early on Tuesday. Uh, Justin, tell Curtis he's gotta do the nine o'clock hour on Tuesday. Esposito's funeral is at St. Patrick's Cathedral, coming up at 9.30 on Tuesday morning. And then my dear friend, Thomas Kniff, who, of course, ran against Alvin Bragg and lost. That's how stupid New Yorkers are. And he's more famous now for representing the subway hero Daniel Penny, the Marine. Thomas lost his brother yesterday, so my um, condolences go out to the whole show and my wife, to Tom Kniff on the loss of uh, his brother. Not exactly the way Judge Napolitano wanted to be introduced, but... We are just six days away from meeting face-to-face and the judge dropping off some delicious maple syrup. And the rumors are, Judge, that in the very, very near future, you may be doing these hits live in studio. Is that true? That is entirely up to you, my man. The answer is yes. (laughs) Look at this. This is you. Well, you looked like a million bucks last week on your way to Newsmax. You look great. And uh, you do a great job here every week. So we're going to make that happen for you, 8.15 every Thursday. But uh, with time uh, getting short here, I want to get to this. I think it's going to be 8.15 on Friday. Oh, Friday, okay. Okay, Friday, 8.15. I want to get to this uh, Judge Engeron, who I can't believe. I mean, first of all, it seemed like he was going to allow Donald Trump to testify today at his his own trial with the uh, closing remarks. Then he said no and then he did not delay the court date today after Trump's mother-in-law died. I mean, this guy, how could he be in charge of this? Clearly, he despises Donald Trump. You know, in the uh, manual of uh, decorum and behavior for judges, there are all kinds of guidelines. When you should grant adjournments, when you should not grant adjournments. And the top reason for granting an adjournment is death in the family of one of the litigants. That is absolutely a reason that I have never heard of a judge saying no to that. Now, 
Trump does not have to be there today. I don't know when um, uh, Mrs. Trump's mother's funeral is or even where it is, but Trump is free to go. This is not a criminal case, so he's not forced to be there. However, he has $370 million, and the future of his corporation is at stake, and he has every right to be there. You don't adjourn when you have a witness coming in from out of, from California who's got to go back, when you have jurors who have to go back to work. None of that applies. The judge is the jury. There are no witnesses. The case has been in adjournment for the past 10 days. Big deal. Adjourn it until Monday so the Trump family can pay their last respects uh, to Mrs. Trump's mother. Uh, this is a, a personal bitterness, the likes of which I've never seen. However, it's another basis for appeal. It shows an animosity towards the defendant, uh, yeah. the likes of which is very rare in modern jurisprudence. Yeah, I mean, I've had Alina Haba on this show a bunch, and she basically has been with Trump in that courtroom every day, and she knew from day one, despite doing her best work between Letitia James and this judge, that they lost. They lost on day one. They're going to lose this. So yes. they've been talking appeals since the day they arrived in New York. Do you think that President Trump has a good chance of winning the appeal? Short answer, yes. Longer answer is this uh, judge, Justice Engeron, has been appealed five times. And all five times he's been reversed by the appellate court. So I think uh, the Trump lawyers know, let's just get this over with. Let's get all of our arguments in because, you know, this basic rule, Sid, if you fail to make an argument to the trial judge, you cannot raise that argument on appeal. So get all your arguments in. Force him to make as many decisions as you get him to manifest all the prejudices and biases uh, that he has. Uh, let the wait for the decision, let the dust settle and go right up the block to the appellate court. I'm sure they're going to do that. And they have many, many grounds to appeal, not the least of which is obvious even to non-lawyers. The personal bias of the judge who's also the jury. When the judge is not the jury, eh, the, the bias can creep in. And jurors see it, and they sometimes compensate for it. Jurors collectively are pretty smart. But when the judge is also the jury and manifests bias, it's a very, very bad system. Uh, it's like the system in the old uh, Soviet Union. Uh, you can't. So earlier this week, Judge Napolitano on Monday, the story surfaced, and it was gone by Tuesday, of course, with this media, that the DA in Fulton County, we saw another special one here, this Fanny Hall, uh, may have been allegedly having sex or some type of that type of relationship with the special prosecutor in the Georgia case. Now, I had Woody Giuliani on, on Tuesday, and he wasn't dancing in the street, but he was somewhat excited that maybe this latest piece of news would go on to show the same bias in Georgia we're witnessing right now in this civil trial in New York. But for three days, I've heard nothing about that Georgia development. What are your thoughts on that? Well, her, my, I have several thoughts on it. Uh, Fonnie Willis uh, is, a, is, like the, is like Alvin Bragg, elected by the public, not appointed by the governor. And um, unlike Alvin Bragg, whenever she has something to say, she runs right to television cameras. She did not utter a peep when these allegations came out. In fact, uh, the day after the allegations came out, uh, the, the prosecutor, uh, first name uh, Nathan, last name Wade, still married to Mrs. Wade, 
is undergoing a divorce from Mrs. Wade and Mrs. Wade's lawyers. Oh, my God. <laughs> as a witness in their case. So all of this happened this week. Mrs. Willis's uh, papers, responding papers are due today. And there's a public hearing tomorrow. If the press does not cover that public hearing, that manifests incredible bias against uh, Trump, because not only Trump, but the public has the right to know exactly what's going on here. Now, will this affect the case? It might cause uh, the court to order a new prosecutor in the case, but it will not affect, unfortunately, will not affect the allegations for the indictment against uh, the former president. So there's two kinds of prosecutorial misconduct. One kind is when the prosecutor is fooling around, either with other prosecutors in the office or with money. Very serious, but that doesn't affect the case. The other is where they're fooling around with the case, where they're bribing witnesses or where they um, are failing to give you exculpatory evidence. So this situation is in the former category, personal misbehavior of the prosecutor. So look at it this way. She took $650,000 from her budget and paid it to this guy's law firm for him to be the lead prosecutor. So far, no harm, no foul. That, that happens all the time. You have a big case. You don't have enough of a staff uh, to vote to the st- case. You hire an outside expert. Well, he's not an expert. turns out he's never tried a criminal case before in his life. And it turns out that that 650000 some of which the law firm rightly paid to him, he used to take her on a trip. Well, if this whole thing was concocted to use taxpayer funds for her own benefit, well, then you have a federal problem, and then she's a potential defendant herself. A bit of a stretch, but I think uh, that argument can be made. Wow. Well, listen, Judge, I'm uh, really excited about this uh, development, but you could be here every Friday live in studio. You really look like a million bucks, man. I mean, I haven't seen right. you in you know, like 15 years. We hadn't seen each other in person. We tried to figure it out, maybe seven, eight, nine years. I don't know. But just seeing you, it's so much better. Like Curtis gets to experience this every morning. I'm jealous as hell. To be in the studio with you. That was fabulous. And I'm glad you like that maple syrup. We'll be making it again next month. All right. Next month, more maple syrup. Maybe as early as next Friday. Judge Knapp live in studio with me every week. Another excellent, excellent appearance. I love you, you, Judge Knapp. Thank you. You know how I always end, tell O'Reilly I love him? (laughs) Remind him he's on my show at 2.45 this coming Monday afternoon. Live, Bill O'Reilly on Judging Freedom. I get, after 25 years, I finally get to interrogate him. Oh, my God. That's You finally got him. You got him. Uh, I'm going to bring that up right away. Bill's set to join me in about 45 minutes. So congratulations. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week, buddy. Great job. Thank you so much. God love you, Sid. I love you too, Judge Andrew Napolitano, wrapping up another great 7 a.m. hour on a Thursday with Curtis and Knapp. That sets us up for a big 8 o'clock hour. Alan Dershowitz and Bill O'Reilly. But before that, some more Mary Blige. Happy 53rd birthday to the Queen of Bronx.
This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. This is, uh, hey, Justin, come in here and close the goddamn shades. Jesus. Sorry. I'm at moment number two. Uh, this is Bruce Springsteen of the E Street Band Classic 10th Avenue Freeze Out. But if you don't know the band, you may not know that this song, they feature Clarence Clemens. And it just so happens, he's dead, of course, but it just so happens that today is Clarence Clemens' birthday. I forgot how old he, he would have been, Lou. How old was uh, with Clarence? He would have been 82. 82 years old. The great Clarence wow. Clemens, 10th Avenue, freeze out. All right, Big Owl last hour, Curtis and the Judge. Bill O'Reilly coming up at 845. Then we'll talk to both Lee Zeldin, who may be Trump's choice as his running mate. Trump did intimate last night on Fox News. He's already made the choice. Is it Elise Stefanik? Is it Lee Zeldin? We don't know. Zeldin coming up next hour. Also next hour, Nancy Mace, who uh, ripped Hunter Biden right there live, right there, ripped him, said he had no balls. So we'll talk to Nancy. But my uh, next guest is uh, Dersh. I love Dersh. And uh, Dersh will be excited to hear this. If everything goes right today, we are finalizing the details that will have this show, me, Sid, and my show, Sid and Friends in the Morning, coming to you live from Jerusalem, the last week of the month, four live shows from Jerusalem as we make our way towards Israel. I know that uh, John and Chad are wrapping up the logistics and specifics today, but it's basically done. And I know if anybody could appreciate this show coming live from Israel, it is one of the greatest lawyers, if not the greatest lawyer ever, Alan Dershowitz. I almost wish Alan was coming with us. So, Alan, what do you think about that, uh, me doing this show live, end of the month, from Jerusalem? Hey, I'm with you in spirit. I've been spending hours on the phone with everybody from Israel, you know, speaking to everybody in power, from the military to the political to the diplomatic. As you may know, the prime minister initially wanted me to argue the case uh, for Israel in front of the international yeah, court. Did, did, you, did you turn that down? What happened was that... Um, I have said so many nasty things about the International Court of Justice. They're not international because they never include an Israeli judge. They're not a court because they're picked by their government and they can be fired. You know who's going to represent Lebanon in the court? A guy picked by Hezbollah. 
and they're not. I'm, 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 I'm surprised it's not your friend Ron Kuby. <laughs> right, <laughs> he'd do a better job. He's he's fair at least in some respects, and they have no, they know nothing about justice. So they've gotten two great people. Uh, they got the former president of the Supreme Court to be the judge, Aaron Barak, and they got a good lawyer from from England. Uh, but I'm you know as usual working behind the scenes and advising and consulting. And, um, you know, but it's a predetermined outcome. I mean, everybody knows how the International Court of Justice will rule. They always rule against Israel. And then the question goes before the Security yeah. Council. Yeah. You know, it's 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 it makes some of the American courts that have been dealing with the Trump thing uh, look look like an actual honest court or courts that dealt with my issue. Remember, I was falsely accused um uh, you know what? Uh, by the way, you know what happened there? We finally found the smoking gun email uh, the, as a result of the disclosure of, of these uh, documents. We finally discovered how I was framed and why I was framed after all these years. A woman named Sharon Churcher, who was a, uh, a writer for a British tabloid, uh, told the woman who accused me, by the way, we know Dershowitz did nothing wrong. We know there's no proof against him. But put him in your book because he's famous. He represented Klaus von Bülow. They made a movie about him. And if you put him in your book, even though he's completely innocent, it's going to help you sell your book. So she put him. She put me in the book, but wow. as somebody who didn't have sex with me. Right. So we, we finally, finally got the smoking gun emails out there that conclusively prove I was framed, but you know, nonetheless, uh, Temple Emanuel still won't have me speak. Other groups will. Yeah, that's, have I, me speak. I wanted to ask you about that because, and Virginia Jufroy, of course, is the lady who should be put in prison for that. And so your name was all over the Jeffrey Epstein trials. Right. Now I did go see the, your documentary with Danielle and met your beautiful right. wife and your your great son. And you know, right. uh, I, I was happy to see that from the very very outset of that, your wife. Carolyn, she was from the very beginning like, oh, stop it, not my husband. I was happy to see that. But but now, once again, when those 170 names come out a couple of weeks ago, and you're on the list. By the way, folks, people who painted the house were on the list. It wasn't a list of people who may or may not have had sex. It was I anybody. Was on the list. I was on the list as an innocent person. Right, I was right. on the list as proof that I didn't do it. Remember, the woman who accused me has now said, oh, my, after all these years, I now have come to realize I may have confused them with someone else. It was someone else. No, no, it, it, it's been yeah. proven that you're innocent, yeah. but but just yeah. the mere fact that your name is on a list involved with Epstein a couple of weeks ago, did you get any more, any issues, any heartache again? Oh, yeah, look, I was asked to speak at Beth Am Synagogue, the largest synagogue in Miami, and as soon as my name appeared on the list, they canceled the oh speech, my God. Uh, because they said you're on the list. It was like, you know, McCarthyism in the 1950s when I was in college, he would stand up and have a list. He said, I have a list of communists. And if you were on the list, it doesn't matter whether you were innocent or guilty, you lost your job. So I'm on the list. Temple Beth Am says, no, we won't allow him to speak about Israel. We won't allow him to speak about Harvard. Who is a better person in Florida to speak about what happened at Harvard? or what happened at, in Israel than me, and you have thousands of congregants who would love to hear me speak, but the rabbi said he's on the list. If he's on the list, he's not kosher, and so we won't allow him to speak. So, you know, I've been canceled by a number of particularly Jewish institutions, 92nd Street Y, Temple Emanuel, some schools in New York, 
just because I'm on the list. It's such McCarthyism. It's outrageous. But look, the evidence that has come out has proved conclusively I was framed, who framed me, how the frame up occurred. And finally, people are saying, oh, my God, he's the victim here and uh, not not anybody who's a perpetrator. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to tell your wonderful audience about that. No, of course. And uh, I, I do it, too, every opportunity I get, because it's I find it to be despicable that your name even comes up in this nonsense. Yeah. And, you know, you, you made a point a couple of minutes ago about the Israeli courts and you said uh, you compared it to the American courts. And I'll, I'll say this to you. I don't care where you are, how ridiculous any court you may find, whether it's Israel or Italy, anywhere around the world, you are going to be hard-pressed to convince me, Alan, that there's any bigger clown act than this guy Engeron here in New York today where Donald Trump is having his closing arguments on his civil trial. I agree with the, you. The guy's, I... mo- the guy's mother-in-law, Trump's mother-in-law, just passed away, and this low-life judge would even delay it for three days? Yeah, no, it's outrageous. He has a target uh, on on Trump's back, and he's going to do it. He made rulings before there was really any evidence, and you know his most absurd ruling that Mar-a-Lago was worth twelve cents. Uh, and uh, you know, I was in Palm Beach the other day for dinner with my former doctor, uh, and he uh, who's retired, and and he they showed me a piece of land, an empty piece of land. That was being sold for $200 million, which is basically, you know, looks nothing compared to Mar-a-Lago. But Mar-a-Lago, well, $17 million. And if you said it was $18 million, you're a fraud. It's one of the worst cases. The cases against Trump in general. You know, I wrote a book called Get Trump. It's based on the campaign pledge, obviously, of Letitia James. She was going to get Trump. And that's why she brought the civil suit. Protecting who? Protecting people of New York? No, protecting rich banks that weren't hurt and that loved having Donald Trump as a customer who paid his interest even early and never defaulted on a single bond. And they're going after Donald Trump instead of protecting the people of New York. I have to tell you, that is such a scandal. And the other cases against Trump as well. Look, as you know, I'm not a Trump supporter, uh, but uh, politically, but that doesn't matter. I support the Constitution and I support the rule of law. And that's being violated whenever Trump is prosecuted. But, you know, they're interfering with the election. They're trying to have an impact on the election. I have a piece in one of today's newspapers saying judges are playing too great a role in this election. Everything is a a court case now, whether it's trying to get him off the ballot, whether it's uh, denying him his right as president to have uh, immunity under appropriate circumstances, or whether it's these four criminal cases, the civil case, it's the courts telling us who we can vote for. And that's just not the American way. Agreed. Now, you mentioned the the immunity case. And, um, you know, there's, uh, I don't know who Judge Pan is until I saw her a couple days ago, but, you know, Judge, I mean, Donald Trump does uh, believe that he was president, he deserves immunity. And, of course, they got to go, Alan. They got to go to the most harshest of extremes. So you're telling me, that if you wanted to assassinate, hold on a second, would Joe Biden and his, his, uh, how he's weaponized his legal system, they are trying to assassinate Trump. That's what Joe Biden is doing every day, not Donald Trump. But to take it to that extreme, yeah. well, Mr. Trump, if you wanted to assassinate your political rival, I mean, Alan, come on, give me a break. 
No, and it was worse. The other side also said that the president doesn't get any immunity no matter what he did as president once he leaves the presidency. That means immunity is out the window. It makes no sense at all, because if you have immunity for what you've done while you're president, and then three years later, they try to come after you and prosecute you. So, you know, both sides handled the questions in a poor way. I think Trump's lawyer should have said, oh, that's an absurd hypothetical. Of course, right. if you assassinate your <laughs> opponent, come on, right. that's ridiculous. Right. That's a hypothetical. Don't bother me with that. You know, it's like the pre- president, the president at Harvard. They weren't well prepared. Uh, if you try to have genocide against the Jews, of course, genocide against the Jews is covered by Harvard's disciplinary rule. Now let's get on to real issues. So, you know, the lawyers didn't handle it uh, all that well. But uh, uh, look, I I think you'll lose in front of the Court of Appeals because it's the District of Columbia, and you always lose at the District of Columbia if your name is Trump. But he may very well win at least a partial victory in front of the United States Supreme Court. I think the United States Supreme Court will hold, number one, that you do have immunity after you've left office if you did something within the presidency while you're in office. And second, what happened on January 6th very likely was covered by the presidential power to make sure that the laws are enforced uh, faithfully. But that latter one is a harder question. But I think he'll win a partial victory in the Supreme Court. He'll lose in the Court of Appeals. And that's what's going to happen around the country. He's going to lose during the election, and then he'll win a lot of these cases after the election's over, and uh, people will unfortunately be influenced by these first decisions, and that's the purpose. The purpose is to get down and dirty convictions, and then uh, they'll be reversed on appeal, but it'll be too late. Look, what we're seeing in this country is the weaponization of the criminal justice system um, uh, to make to make partisan points, whether they're trying to weaponize it against me um, as an innocent person, whether they're trying to weaponize it against the man running for president of the United States. That's not what the courts were intended to do. They were intended to be a check and balance on the excesses of the legislative and the executive branch. They were not supposed to be powerful institutions. Hamilton called the uh, judiciary the least dangerous branch because they have neither the purse nor the sword. They should be serving as checks and balances, not as interferences in an ongoing election. You know, I want to move from our uh, potential new leader, he's an old leader, 45, maybe 47, Trump, back to Israel. This will give you a chance to promote your great new book, sure. War Against the Jews, and that is uh, Bibi. And again, you know, we, you told the story how Netanyahu uh, really wanted you to represent him, and I know you've got a, a long-time relationship with Bibi. I love Bibi. Right. Just me, I love him. But there was a poll taken the other day, and I think the number, Alan, was 87% of people polled in Israel do not want Bibi to stay in power once he, quote-unquote, resolves this Hamas situation. I knew I knew he was in trouble. I didn't know the number was going to be that high. I was somewhat disappointed. What are your thoughts on that? Well, somebody has to take responsibility for the disaster of October 7th. They should have been better prepared. The army should have been there quickly. And although it wasn't Bibi's fault, and I spoke yesterday to one of Bibi's opponents, I can't mention him, one of Bibi's opponents who said it wasn't Bibi's fault, but he has to take responsibility because he's the prime minister. Just like he takes credit if things go well, he has to take responsibility if things go badly. Look, those numbers will change if the hostages return. Those numbers will change if Israel manages to defeat Hamas, which I hope they will. And, uh, you know, this, this may be an occasion. There's now efforts being made to have the Saudis 
say to the Hamas, look, you tried to prevent us from recognizing Israel by doing this horrible thing on October 7th. We're not listening to you. We're going to recognize Israel. And if the Saudis do recognize Israel and the hostages come back, Bibi's numbers will go up dramatically. Whether enough to win, remember Golda Meir was one of the greatest prime ministers in Israeli history. But after the, after the disaster, uh, initial disaster of 1973 of the Yom Kippur War, she too uh, lost her, her, her uh, uh, power and, 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 and left office. Look, Winston Churchill, he wins the Second World War, comes back to, a, to England, wins the Second World War, and he's defeated by a nobody, Anthony Eaton. Uh, and that's, the, that's the, the appreciation people show for leaders if they do anything, anything that uh, is, is, is wrong. So, you know, Bibi is going to have a mixed heritage. He's done great things for Israel. As you know, whenever I go to Israel, I have dinner with Bibi and with Sarah. I, I've been their friend. I've been his friend since 1970. We go back more than a half a century. So personally, you know, I have very, very fond feelings for him. And I'd love to, after this is all over, sit down with him quietly and figure out what happened on October 7th and who really is to blame for that disaster that really set back Israel. But look, I'm so thrilled that you're going to Israel because nobody presents Israel's case more effectively on on the media than you do. And you know all the people there. And if you need me to be interviewed at any point, uh, while you're in Israel, or introduce you to people in Israel that you may not know, I'm happy to be your assistant uh, oh. from the distance there. So, oh, I'm honored. Uh, I'm on your side. Well, I am honored, uh, and I will take advantage of that, to be honest, because I know your rich history a lot longer than mine with Israel, and, and uh, I'm honored you even said that, Alan. You're such a sweet man, and I will take advantage. And again, on the way out here, you mentioned your book, Get Trump, which turned out to be very prophetic and your new book, uh, War Against the Jews, dates all the way back, but even goes up to the current day tragedy on October the 7th. Tell folks about your new book. Well, I wrote it starting October 7th. I, I dropped everything I was doing. My publisher said, if you can get this to me in 30 days, I'll get it out in 60 days. And that happened. So we may have broken the, the, the record, uh, Guinness Book of Records, for the fastest book produced. But uh, it comes from the heart. And, uh, you know, it's it's all about not only October 7th, but October 8th, the horrors of what happened when the National Lawyers Guild uh, and all these groups at Harvard uh, refused to condemn Hamas. And these feminist groups, these feminist groups, me too, except if you're a Jew, um, you know, the, the, these, these groups that think that every time a man looks in a strange way at a woman, it's 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 a it's a major event. But if you rape and mutilate Jewish women in Israel, hey, that's not our problem. This double standard that some feminists have directed uh, against uh, Israel is outrageous. And nobody should support any feminist group that doesn't condemn Hamas just the way you can't support Black Lives Matter, even if you uh, appreciate the concept, if they've turned against Israel and turned against Jews. So, you know, we have to be judging all these radical left organizations, by how they responded to the worst event in Jewish history since the Holocaust, and, and, and Americans were taken hostage, and babies were taken hostage and killed and murdered, and, and these radical groups don't care. All they want to do is block the subways and block entrances. I mean, they're essentially engaged in an insurrection. And remember, these groups are not pro-Palestinian. They're just anti-American. They're anti-Israel. They're anti judeo-christian they're anti-western 
civilization. They want to see an overthrow of the government. So don't be fooled by these groups who are blocking the, the, the ways to the subways and to the train stations and to the bridges. They are anti-you, not just anti-Israel. They're anti-you if you're an American. That is so wonderfully said, Alan Dershowitz. We're going to end it right there. And, folks, I compel you, much like O'Reilly coming up has his great killing series, go by Get Trump and War Against the Jews. Get them both, because right now both of those books tell the story of what's going on in America and around the world today. You're a genius. You're brilliant. I love you. Danielle loves you. Thank you so much. I just want to say one thing. That's the Hebrew of leave and travel in safety to Israel. And Thank send you. my best to one of the great nations of the world. You got it, Alan. Thank you. There he is, one of the great men of the world, Alan Dershowitz, brilliant attorney, even a better man, trust me. And what a wonderful family, his wife and his son. We had a chance to dine with them uh, last month after his documentary. The Dershowitz family are really, really fine people. We'll take a short break. Still to come, Bill O'Reilly. We're also going to talk to Lee Zeldin and Nancy Mace. Thursday with me, Sid. Friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. The Dirt shot its best right there. Been a big show already. Curtis Sleva was terrific, and Judge Napolitano, Alan Dershowitz, and again, Silicon Bill O'Reilly, Lou Zeldin, Nancy Mace. I do want to just recap that great dinner last night. I was at the Fish and Hunt Club, a uh, Hunt and Fish Club. I'm sorry. And uh, Mooch wasn't there. He was in Davos. But Nelson was there, Hunting Fish Club. And uh, that's my guy, Keith Kantrowitz, Power Express Mortgage. And I love Keith. So once a month, we have these men's dinners. And it's uh, usually me and Keith. It's Keith, really, his call. Paul Carlucci, uh, Anthony Carone. We get Big Mark Oranger. He was there last night. Mike Kemper, he was there last night. And we always have a uh, good time. So we combined our men's dinner with this fundraising event for a young lady named Jen Rajkumar, who is an assemblywoman out of Woodside, Queens, and she's running again. And I like her. She's a Democrat, but I like her. So we had a big crowd there last night. Keith Kantrowitz, Mark Oranger. I love Mark. Joe Carone, representing the Carone brothers. I met Barbara LaBarca. She's listening right now. New fan. Barbara, you were great. Marilyn and Michael Kemper. You had uh, Fiona and Joel Kahn, Tony Mahadeo, Manash Shapiro, who happens to be the assistant to the chief of staff of Mayor Eric Adams. You had Sky, you had Gina, 
Eileen Jimenez, Elena, uh, Eleanor Sarugo, and uh, Giselle, Bobby the Brat, Louie, Rabbi uh, Joe Potasnik was there, Jen was there, the mayor made a nice speech. There were three speeches last night. It was Jen, it was the mayor, and then me. And uh, also there last night, Viola happens to be Jen Rajkumar's chief of staff. So good night last night. Nice event. Well done, Nelson. Hunting Fish Club, great job of my good buddy Keith Kantrowitz. And we move on to the next men's meeting, which will be sometime, I guess, after the Super Bowl. All right, we uh, we got to get to Joe Nolan. Then we got three great guests. No segment, no segment during the week, any time on this radio station gets higher ratings than O'Reilly and Rosenberg. And he's coming up next. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. A little Billy Joe for you. Right now, we're going to Long Island. He was the best. He still is the best. He'll always be the best. Whether it's 9 p.m. weeknights right here on WABC. With the no-spin news off of his own amazing website, BillOReilly.com. Great interviews, great columns, great TV show. Nobody does it better. His killing series continues to kill it. About 13 in now, Killing the Witches was the last one. And he does uh, just an unbelievable job here every Thursday morning. Big day. I mean, Nick Saban, maybe the greatest college coach ever. He leaves Alabama. Bill Belichick, maybe the greatest NFL coach ever. He leaves New England. And fat, stupid Chris Christie, he's checked out of the presidential race. That's a big day, huh, Bill? Fat, stupid Chris Christie. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right, where do you want to start? You want to start uh, politics or sports? Wherever you want. This is these 15 minutes make me big, so you take it away. Okay, so um, politics and sports are very, very similar. And I, as a kid, played four sports. Um, I was a goalie on a high school hockey team. I played football at Marist College. Um, I played CYO basketball. I played semi-pro baseball for the Brooklyn Monarchs. Wow. And it's all about beating the other guy, right, or the other gal. Which, by the way, I don't want to stop you, but when people say to me, boy, it seems like you've made this relatively seamless transition from 15 years as a sports talk show host, including WFAN, to doing this, I go, it's the same thing. Just substitute the Mets for Trump. You have to beat the other team, and that's what politics is. You have to beat the other team. And uh, there are a variety of ways uh, that people approach it. Uh, that I have to say that sports pretty much saved my life. I think I'd be in the penitentiary if I didn't <laughs> play sports. Oh, really? So I was a little thug in Levittown running around. I, I was harmless. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's not hard to drift in to uh, an arena where you're really doing damage. And and when I was uh, in college, that was the Vietnam sex, drugs, rock and roll era. That came in fast. And there were a lot of casualties in Levittown about that. A lot of people got addicted to drugs, and uh, they did bad things, and they wound up wrecking their lives. But I didn't because I was always training. I was always sweating and uh, perspiring. So I, I, I'm very uh, thankful that I was in that uh, in that group. So politics now in America has changed dramatically. And I'm writing a book called Confronting the Presidents, 
uh, no spin assessments from George Washington to Joe Biden. And that book will be out uh, second week in September in a run up to our vote. And I'm and I'm telling you about who these guys really were cutting through the facade. So I wasn't surprised when Chris Christie resigned. I don't know who would be. Um, No, he didn't have a constituency from day one. It was a vanity run. And a vanity run is where you get a lot of attention, and then you write a book or you give lectures or you're bored and you just run around. It wasn't even a a vanity run. It was more of a revenge run because at no point – He knew – Christie had to know that the one-trick pony he was – Trump's the devil was not going to win in a Republican primary. No, of course, but but I think he embarrassed himself. I mean, don't be afraid to tell us just once in eight months what you're going to do to improve the country instead of bashing Trump. You look like an idiot, Chris Christie. Well, that's all he had, though. I mean, you know, yeah, he was the governor of New Jersey, but okay. <laughs> I mean, what is he going to do? What is he going to do there? So he's out. And, uh, you know, he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish using other people's money. Other people donated to him, and, and he had, you know, fun for nine months running around doing what he did. Including our friend Steve Cohen of the New York Mets. Forget about Scaramucci, but Steve Cohen's got to be smarter than that. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, look, I, I'm very libertarian on people supporting other people in the political arena. If you want to give money or support somebody, I'm not going to disparage you. Okay. Unless, unless... You are helping someone who is absolutely destructive to my family. Right. And that means yeah. the far right and the far left. And so if you're, you're giving money to somebody who wants to hurt my family, then I'm coming after you. You know what's funny what you just said? Because as I told you, folks, if you don't listen to Bill O'Reilly, his morning message every day at about 730 is great. And it's the one of the few times I actually stay inside the studio because I've got all kinds of issues. I can't sit still. And I listen to it. And this morning you talked about what you just said, the far right and the far left. And I have to tell you that every now and then when I hear that, I get aggravated because I've heard my own family members say to me, oh, both sides have their issues. They both suck. Stop. You're right. I guess that's true. But clearly, clearly there is one side, one side that is absolutely without argument 1,000% crazier than the other. And that's the left. So once we start to really, I guess, demonize both sides, then people yeah, start to think... you don't want to do a moral equivalence if the uh, one evil outnumbers the other evil 10 to 1. You agree, what, but, but, you agree that, but you agree that's the case. Yeah, sure, because that's always the case. You justify bad behavior by pointing to other bad behavior. That's what fifth, uh, fifth graders do. <laughs> right, right. You know, when I was caught whacking uh, Mary Ann with a ruler... I go, well, Clement hit her with a sledgehammer. You know, <laughs> come on. I mean, but that's what people do. So if you go to a, a website like Stormfront, for example, the Nazi website, you're going to see heinous things. You're going to see things that turn your stomach. But how many Stormfront idiots are there? None. I mean, it, the, the, it's infinitesimal. You've got to go to uh, the Bitterroot Mountains in Idaho to find them. I mean, you know. But the far left, all you got to do is go to the uh, St. Mark's Place. Yeah. And they're lined up. Yeah, yeah. And the media sympathizes with them on many occasions and bolsters them, enables them, gives them publicity, justifies them. Never get that on the far right. 
But the basic philosophy of destroy the country is the same. And that was uh, the commentary uh, this morning on WABC. Um, both extremists, they don't like the freedom that we have. They don't want it. And they're both totalitarians in different ways. Uh, and talking about totalitarians, uh, well, let's get to Bill Belichick. <laughs> How about that for a transition? That's great. That is so, great. And, and people who don't follow sports, you know, stay with us here. So this is a guy who developed a formula uh, to become uh, the most successful football coach if your yardstick is winning Super Bowls of all time. And he is a no-nonsense guy. He disp he hates the press more than Trump does. Yeah. Okay? He did, because he knows that the press is in business to gotcha. All right? They, they make him look bad or what? whatever. And then he gives the same answer 18 times. <laughs> Everybody knows what he's doing. Okay. So after 24 years, and, you know, and, New and I love the rivalry, by the way, between New York and Boston. I, I love that. And the dividing line is New Haven, Connecticut. So if you are uh, below New Haven, then you root for the New York teams. If you're above, you root for the Boston team. Right. And, and, and it's such a great rivalry in sports, and, and it, it's vibrant. And both cities, you know, there are some kooks, but most, most fans enjoy the competition. Now, the reason that Bilicic, um has not done well, it, it's Tom Brady. Yes, you've got a superstar like that um, who dominates the game. You can ride him, um, and Bilicic did. And just to emphasize your point, since Brady left – and Brady won six Super Bowls with Belichick. Since he left in four years, Belichick's record, 29 wins, 38 losses. Right. Nine games under five hundred with only one playoff appearance. That's right. And Brady wins a Super Bowl with Tampa. So you can rightly say that Brady was the driver of the New England Patriots' success for all of those years. So you have the data to back that up. But everybody isn't perfect. Belichick's weakness is talent evaluation. He lucked out with Brady. He lucked out with the guy. The guy was like the last draftee from Michigan. He comes in. He's a superstar. Who knew? You know, who yeah, knew? But by the way, you could, you could thank the Jets for that because the quarterback for the Patriots was a guy named Drew Bledsoe. Right. And one game against the Jets, the linebacker Mo Lewis blasted Bledsoe out of bounds. So at that point, to your point, Belichick, Picked a guy who who they picked in the sixth round out of Michigan who didn't even start. He backed up Brian Greasy, Andrew Henson, hence the greatest NFL quarterback of all time. Right. And and all of that is, is what they call organic. Nobody has anything to do with it. It just happens. Um, so Belichick's weakness is talent evaluation. And he couldn't bring in. They, they put a lot of money on this Mac Jones quarterback, just like the Jets did uh, right. with fine. the young guy from Utah. Exactly. Well, it's the same thing. Yep. Um, the odds of succeeding at that level um, for any athlete are about 10 to 1, particularly a quarterback. I mean, even if you do well in college, the difference between college and the pros, I mean, look, I'm in the most competitive industry, and so are you, in the country, media. I mean, we, we have to produce so that our companies make money. And you only do that by attracting audience. And that's, what they, that's a competition because you're up against other people. In politics, it's the same thing. So you elect somebody and you hope 
that they're going to be, um, you know, uh, effective in problem solving. Now, guys like me and you, we've been around for a long time. I mean, I knew Joe Biden was going to be a terrible president, but I gave him a chance. And I said that to my audience. I said, look, he's elected. I never bought into this uh, uh, massive fraud uh, voting machine nonsense. I never did. I said, he's elected, okay? And on the border, 80 million votes. Maybe he got 77 million, all right? And 3 million were uh, Zucker boats, uh, where somebody would go in and drag the old lady out to the <laughs> corridor and say, sign this and yeah. send yeah. it in. Okay. So, but I knew, based upon his resume, of being just a weaselly politician his whole life. What is this guy going to just now be Winston Churchill? No, I knew it was going to be a disaster, but it's far worse than I ever thought it was going to be. So now we look ahead, and, and you know, it looks like we got Biden-Trump again. Oh, slow down. Slow down. Okay. Because I had this conversation with our mutual friend uh, who loves you too, Judge uh, Janine, yesterday. So all of a sudden, and I don't believe in any coincidences, Bill, all of a sudden, who's in the news on Tuesday? Video, audio, the whole thing on a podcast talking about how terrified she is? Yeah, Michelle. So now if I was to say to you, here's what's coming, because they've been priming Gavin Newsom too for VP. Forget about Biden-Harris. Your Democrat ticket is going to be Michelle Newsom. Let me tell you something. As a Trump supporter, I'm going to lose sleep over that one. Well, you're right, and I did a. I was the first one to break that story once I saw Michelle Obama show up on Jay Shetty's podcast. <laughs> Jay Shetty, okay? that's right. Yeah, I yeah. mean, she didn't go on Sit in Friends. Right. She didn't go on a No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly. She went to Jay Shetty. Yeah. You know who Jay Shetty is? No. He's a former monk. He's a he's a, a wind chime guy. Oh, he's a candle guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, incense guy. <laughs> so Michelle Obama, who does nothing spontaneously, um, gives him one hour and five minutes to Jay Shetty. And I'm going, why? Uh-huh. Doesn't have a book. Uh, doesn't have lunch with Oprah to talk about. <laughs> has nothing. Nothing. She just shows up. So I do some reporting because that's what I am. I'm a journalist slash historian. So here's what I found out. You ready, WABC listeners? Now, yep. Yep. I have to tell you, I am not reporting this as fact. Because I don't use anonymous sources, ever. I am reporting what I have been told. I don't know if it's true. Okay. Barack Obama goes to the White House. That was about two weeks ago. Joe's up. Now, they have a house, a mansion in Washington, D.C., the Obamas. He goes in and he basically looks at Biden and Biden's advisors and says, if you guys don't get this border under control, you're going to lose. That was a conversation. And he, he really went in. It wasn't like touchy-feely. It wasn't hope and change. It was, you guys are idiots. He's pissed. Okay, yeah. And he goes, you're going to blow the whole progressive thing that we've put together. The whole thing is going to go down. If you don't do this border thing, because this is insane. Remember, under the eight years of Barack Obama, they deported more foreign nationals than any other administration in history. That's right. Okay. And they actually built those detention camps 
that they beat Trump up over when AOC yeah, referred yeah, they, to those they as had to isolate. Yeah. You know, you have to do that to find out who these people are. Sure. They, he actually you have to find out if he, Uncle Jose is really the uncle. No, he did, but he was actually the one who had kids in cages. Yeah, well, I don't know about cages, but they, they were isolating people to find out who they were. But anyway, yeah. so that's what happened there. And then Barack Obama was not happy with the reception that he received. All right? Uh-oh. Because the Biden White House doesn't want to do anything about the open border. Doesn't. Because the progressives want to flood the country with foreign nationals who may down the road vote for socialism. That is the play. So then... Barack goes back and looks at Michelle and goes, you know what, baby? You got to get out there and send a little message. Hello, Jay Shetty. That's what that was. So you're telling me that was just a message to Biden and not necessarily a warning. Right. I'm here. Mm -hmm. That's what the message was. Now, forget about Gavin Newsom. He's done. Cooked finished <laughs> once he signed the law that said california is going to get pay for all of the health care for every undocumented person in that in the state and anyone who comes there in the future that was it he cannot compete with that on his resume so he's gone um so that's what happened and that's why uh michelle showed up now for those who are trump fans that's not good news. No. Because Michelle Obama would be competitive. I think she'd win. Well, they can tie her to Biden. They can tie her to Biden. What, what if she distances herself from Biden? I mean, her husband yeah, said. She's not going to badmouth Biden. Why not? Her husband no, said. No, he, no, That will never wait, wait, happen. Did Barack Obama not say that Joe Biden is capable of effing up anything and everything. Yeah, but he didn't say it publicly. So you're never going to get the Obamas to badmouth the progressive president. Never. Okay. Okay? All right. Remember who's running uh, Biden's campaign. Obama? Jeffrey Katzenberg. Oh, Katzenberg. Yeah, okay. Right. Okay? Right, right. This, this is the nexus. The Obamas aren't going up against the Hollywood lefties. They're not going to embarrass the party. They're not. They're basically sending a signal is we think things are going to get worse, and they're right, particularly on a Hunter Biden front. And when Joe has to resign for health reasons and join Lloyd Austin, and Joe might not tell us for a month that he resigned. You know? <laughs> like Same thing with Lloyd. Okay? All right. When Joe resigns for health reasons, like LBJ, hello. Here's uh, maybe uh, Michelle will go back on Jay Shetty's podcast. Oh hey, I'm God. ready. Aye, aye, aye. That's what this was all about. Well, I like it. Uh, I feel better hearing that than she's definitely considering or almost there. And I will tell you this, as we wrap this unbelievable conversation up, you're the best. You know, the Super Bowl is Feb 11, and the chalk with the playoffs starting on Saturday would have the 49ers play the Ravens. But I don't care who it is. I don't care if the Lions get in, the Browns get in. All of that drama that we're about to witness in the next five weeks leading up to February 11th in Las Vegas, Super Bowl 58, will pale in comparison to this presidential run coming next November. Yes? Yeah. Um, 
But people need diversions away from the dirty politics stuff. Next week, keep your eye on this Atlanta Fannie Willis story. Oh, I know. Yeah. Fannie. Do you believe believe that she was having sex with the prosecutor and all that? It's worse. Worse? Yeah. The prosecutor who she paid, Fulton County paid almost a million dollars to so far. The guy who's trying to nail Trump put him in prison makes two visits to the White House on Fanny's dime. Wow. And you're not hearing it. It's another news blackout, but this is big. That whole case could be thrown out, and it happened because Fanny has now been subpoenaed to appear in a divorce case with her boyfriend, the prosecutor, whose wife is filed for divorce because Fanny and him were running around. This is a big story down there, and this goes to prosecutorial misconduct. Trump should be jumping up and down on this one. I think he is, and I had Rudy Giuliani on the show Tuesday when this thing first broke on Monday, and he thought this would mean the end of this also. So I think they are quietly. I mean, Trump's in court today, but Rudy was certainly very excited. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's embarrassing. It's really in this Fannie Willis, uh, if she was if she's coordinating with the White House on prosecuting Donald Trump, (laughs) this is huge. I love it. Well, that's a good way to end this. Uh, A happy ending, Bill. I mean, hate to put it that way, but you know what I mean, right? (laughs) Uh, I think so, but I'm not going to delve any further. I love you, Bill O'Reilly. You're brilliant. Another amazing, amazing segment. And we'll do it again uh, very, very soon. Thank you so much. All right, Sid. Appreciate it. Great job. You got it. 9 p.m. weeknights. The man, BillOReilly.com. Take a short break. Big 9 o'clock hour to come. Lee Zeldin and Nancy Mace. A little more Billy Joe. Just four days away. You know, Trump finally intimated, he more than intimated, he said last night on his Fox Town Hall meeting with Bear and McCallum, as DeSantis and Haley, for some reason, were yelling at each other on CNN. Nobody cares. I mean, nobody. Trump was on Fox News, and he said he has made up his mind who his running mate is going to be. 
A lot of folks think it's going to be Elise Stefanik. Some still even mention, for some crazy reason, Nikki Haley. But the person that has garnered the most rumors the last couple of days is a man who's going to come on now and not say one word about it, not one word, but I'm going to say it, is Lee Zeldin. Zeldin should have been the governor, but he just couldn't be. The numbers were against him. He ran a great, great campaign. He was better than than Hochul in, in every step of the way. But the rumors are he may be Trump's choice. So here to tell us, I'm not talking about that, is my friend Lee Zeldin. Good morning, Z. Lee, I should say. I, I was coming on to talk uh, Wemby, Tony Parker, <laughs> the OG on the Novi trade. I, 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 I like that. Hey, by the way, talking about the OB uh, trade, because I did see you and your beautiful wife and your two lovely daughters at a Nick game not that long ago. I believe they're the only undefeated team in 2024 and 5-0 and since that trade. How about our Knicks, Lee Zeldin? You know, I, I love it. Uh, you know, you, RJ and Quickly are doing great in Toronto. Uh, a couple of tough losses on the, the West Coast there, back-to-back in uh, L.A. Uh, last couple nights. But uh, for our Knicks, man, 5-0. and Since the trade, uh, Randall and Brunson are thriving. I don't think they're done before the trade deadline. It doesn't mean that they're you know definitely going to act desperate, but uh, I, you know they seem to be in the market. If they had... One more superstar. Yep. If they could figure out how how to pull it off, uh, man, this is a this is a team. Sky's the limit. Sixers are uh, starting to tank, so yeah. that third seed is uh, only a couple games away. It's pretty cool. Yeah, Stephen A. Smith was talking about it yesterday. The Knicks are definitely a four seed, like you said, maybe a three. They did beat Milwaukee easily at the Garden Christmas. Nobody thinks the way the team is constructed now they can beat Boston. So he was saying, yeah, they need that one guy, you know, and uh, even though Murray's name keeps coming up, the name that comes up the most, like you with Trump, is uh, Donovan Mitchell. And he believes that Mitchell as the one, Brunson as the two, and Randall as the three, they can win an NBA championship. But then the question becomes, what pieces do you have left after trading away RJ and quickly to get a guy like Mitchell? Now they have a lot of draft choices, too, but that's uh, Stephen's belief as of yesterday. The Knicks can get Donovan Mitchell they can be a legitimate contender for the championship and not just a top-four seed. Well, you know, Cleveland's also not, you know, uh, way out of the playoffs here. They they feel like they're in the middle of it. They're battling for a fourth seed themselves. So they're not just looking to, you know, just reboot the entire team for next year and beyond. Uh, so the, the Knicks would probably have to give up too much that might sacrifice their talent for this year because I think Cleveland's still trying to compete. Uh, uh, the other thing that obviously factors in with sports when you get into the playoffs is is injury, and you know you, you don't wish that upon Boston, but uh, I mean I'll, that's just the way I, I operate. I'm not, they're not rooting for uh, you know the other teams that are better than us to just fall apart on injury, but I mean that's a possibility when you get that deep into a season. You know Mitchell Robinson gets injured. A month ago, and now they talk about having him back possibly before the end of the year. But some of the injuries to your stars, sometimes they happen at the end of the season or even the playoffs, and it's just it's too late. So, I mean, Boston's one of those teams that are at a different class and level yeah. right now than the Knicks. But, you know, who knows? Maybe they're not at full strength come the playoffs. Maybe that's our best shot. We'll back see. here on uh, WFAN, you're listening to the uh, new afternoon show. Uh, Zeldin and Rosenberg replacing uh, Tiki and Evan Roberts. <laughs> 
Love it. <laughs> now, you know your stuff, man. Uh, you are we will... allowed to bring Aaron Rodgers on, or what's the rule on that? ESPN setting out some uh, some new code of conduct on uh, yeah. uh, whether or not Aaron's allowed to be on. Well, you, you know, talk about that. Pat McAfee was so disingenuous yesterday. He's like, I'm glad the segment is over. I've had enough of Rodgers. And I hate to tell you that other than the ESPN crowd, it's a big crowd. McAfee makes $10 million a year, so he's got his audience. Other than those people... No, nobody would have any idea who Pat McAfee was without Aaron Rodgers coming on weekly. So when McAfee said yesterday, I'm glad it's over, I'm glad it's over, I found that to be uh, pretty disingenuous. What about you? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, he would he would still have uh, Aaron on, and the, the, the whole thing with, with the scandal with Jimmy Kimmel and, and Epstein, whatever, it, it, you know, ESPN was just, they're looking for an excuse. Aaron Rodgers had a target on his back for a long time. It goes back to, you know, controversial statements he made during COVID, talking about the vaccine. You know, he, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, he moves to his own beat, and it's certainly not in line with ESPN's politics. Uh, so, I mean, they're just they're just looking for an excuse, yep. and you know, because Jimmy Kimmel is right. of course. Right, of course. Yeah, he's just of he's a prophet. You that that's that's going way too far. And there's a lot that Aaron Rodgers could get away with, but not being critical of uh, Jimmy Kimmel. You're right. He is Mr. ABC, Mr. Disney, Jimmy Kimmel. So uh, the the job that you almost had, and again, I commend you on one of the best. I mean this, one of the best campaigns I've ever seen when you ran for governor. But uh, she she uh, she held on to it. This uh, Hochul, and a couple of days ago, she does the state of the state. And there's a lot of issues in New York, plenty of time to do hours on that. But I think everybody would agree that right now, the migrant crisis, if it's not the biggest issue, it's certainly top two or three. Can you explain to me, Lee Zeldin, how Kathy Hochul can do a state of the state in New York and not mention a crisis? You can't defend it. There's no excuse for it. Uh, She just wants to wish it away. Uh, she doesn't want to have to accept any responsibility for it in the state of the state. And she also doesn't want to be putting the blame on the President Biden and the administration to actually fix it. Uh, so they just think that, you know, maybe their best option is option D and let's just click our heels together and, and hope that Sid and everyone else doesn't even realize that she doesn't even mention it. And now what's interesting about it is you, you said it's the top issue or maybe it's one of the top issues uh, for for voters out there. And this is the same thing that happened in the 2022 race. Uh, that created openings for us to be able to gain support, not just from Republicans, but independents and Democrats, is that she just ignores what voters, what residents are telling her are most important to them. So even if Kathy Ho- in Kathy Hochul's mind, the migrant crisis is the seventh most important topic or the 30th most important topic, there are people out there who say it is their number one topic. And on top of that, with the, with moving all these migrants from Floyd Bennett Field into a school and forcing all those kids into remote learning and, and then claiming the Department of Education says that they're going to avoid any disruption. It, it's impossible to avoid disruption when you just close down a school and move kids into remote learning. How with a straight face do you say, we'll do this without any disruption? Her 
the, and the way she did it on crime, the way she did it on economy during the 2022 race ended up creating an opening for us. And here she's trying to do it again, where if you ask Kathy Hochul, what is your most important issue? What's your top three? What's your top five? She's doing it based off of what is most important to her and what she wants to talk about, not based off right. of what New Yorkers are saying are most right. important to them. It's about right. her. It's not about us. Well, if she was completely honest, her most important issue is one o'clock Sunday, when her bills host the Steelers. That's all she cares about, I'm being honest. Her and how much money her husband can make. Uh, I want to talk to you about Mozzie Pillip. She was on with me yesterday. I like her a lot. Very impressive lady. And uh, IDF, you know, uh, Jewish background. And uh, she's running on the Republican ticket to replace George Santos, even though she's still registered as a Democrat. And a lot of my listeners... And a lot of her constituents, by the way, have contacted me in anger and said, I like her. I wouldn't vote for Swazi, but I cannot vote for somebody who is still registered as a Democrat. And when I told that to Peter King and others, they were like, well, screw them. They they should know she votes as a Republican. I go, no, but you can't say screw them because whether she votes Republican or not, if there is some type of a perception that she's not a full Republican because she's registered as a Democrat, that's going to hurt us. What are your thoughts on all this? Oh, man, I, I have I have a lot of thoughts. First off, the House right now is a very slim majority. The idea that we are just one step closer to making Hakeem Jeffries the speaker oh. by, by not focusing on the special election, to make Maxine Waters a chair again and put Jerry Nadler back in charge of the Judiciary Committee, or Adam Schiff back in charge of the Intelligence Committee. Like, th- this stuff, big picture, if you care about our country, you have to keep that in mind when assessing this special election. Another thing is you have the likes of Elon Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and there really is no counterweight to them. There's no one uh, who is standing up to them at a different level that Amazi Pillip can. Interesting story, Ethiopian refugee. She goes to Israel 15 years there. As you mentioned, IDF, she was a paratrooper. She comes here. She's been serving in the county legislature. She's built strong bridges, relationships amongst Republicans, Democrats, independents. I would love to see... Elon Omar and Rashida Tlaib, in just a few weeks, if the residents of the 3rd Congressional District vote the right way, meeting their counterweight for the first time in the years that they have been there. Uh, so I, I want to be able to see that as well. As far as, uh, as, far as Mozzie goes, uh, you know, I've, I've interacted with her. I've been impressed with her. I see how she interacts with her her constituents, the voters, how much they love her and respect her. It's just it's just different than like, like what you're used to when you see a a politician, an elected official uh, interacting with their people. She represents that Great Neck area, uh, heavily uh, Persian Jewish community, uh, and you, you have all sorts of Democrats who. Uh, have who they voted for Mozzie Pillup in 2021, and then they were voting for us in 2022. I mean, she's opened up doors for the Republican Party, where people who were longtime Democrat voters have seen the light through Mozzie, and then have opened up, 
you know, their minds for a candidacy like, say, a Republican candidate running statewide in 2022. So there's a lot of strengths. I mean, you know, for sake of time, those are, you know, just a few points, initial points that come to mind. Uh, this special election is coming up quickly in the middle of February. Turnout is going to be low. Uh, I strongly support Mozzie. I understand you know, anyone out there, they're entitled to whatever views, whatever concerns, questions they have about anyone for any race at any time. But as far as I go, no-brainer. I'm totally supporting Mozzie. So if you were sitting there with Cairo and King and they brought her name up, you would be just as enthusiastic there as you were just now. You love her. I, I think she's great. All right. I, I think she'll be a great member of Congress if given the opportunity. Final 60 seconds, uh, not about you being VP, but uh, Trump is in court today. But Lee Zeldin, we're just a couple of days away from Iowa, so the game is on. The NFL playoffs are here, and you could make an argument the presidential playoffs are here. Once Iowa starts, we make our way towards that Super Bowl, which comes in November. And Trump is going into these playoffs like the Ravens. I mean, strong as can be, blowing out the field in the primaries, lengthening his lead every week over Joe Biden in the election. Uh, I mentioned Michelle Obama. We talked about her with Bill O'Reilly today, Judge Jeanine yesterday. That potential scares Trump supporters like me. But assuming she does not join this race, can you see anything at this point derailing Donald Trump from returning as 47 after 45? We have to all vote. I mean, we can't take anything for granted. There's a lot of people out there who vote in every election. They'll vote for every primary of local race and their fire department and library and whatever. But there's way too many people who don't vote at all or very, very rarely vote. A lot of folks who are eligible, but they're they're not even registered. Uh, So the biggest thing that uh, I believe can be a challenge for uh, any candidacy, um, including this one that we're, we're talking about right here with President Trump's campaign uh, running for another term, is that you need everyone to actually show up. And there's there are a lot of people who feel like their vote doesn't count or they feel like, you know, that they, maybe they live in a, a state where uh, their candidate definitely is going to win or their candidate's definitely going to lose. Like, no one can be complacent. This is a battle to save this country. In 2024, we are we have an opportunity to change the course of this country, and whether it's strengthening our border again and improving foreign policy, getting our, our economy strong, our energy policy back on track, on, on so many different fronts where anyone out there who cares about America, you can't sit this one out. Uh, and that's going to be the biggest challenge for, for Donald Trump running for another term is making sure that everyone who's a supporter of his is actually registered to vote. They show up to vote and their vote is counted, period. And, and we have to make sure uh, that you know, Joe Biden and the Democrats are, are held accountable for their positions. I mean, they want nothing else but to make a campaign about anything other than the issues that are actually most important to the voters. That's why Kathy Hochul is not talking about the migrant crisis in her state of the state. So you know, on top of boosting your own candidate is getting out there and talking about the stakes, talking about the issues and talking about the opposition, because I don't think that Joe Biden is up for four more years. Agreed. As always, Lee Zeldin, spectacular appearance. Great to catch up with you, buddy. And uh, we'll talk again a lot, I believe, in the very near future. Lee Zeldin, Happy New Year. Thank you so much. All right. See you, Sid. Happy New Year. Let's go, Knicks. That's uh, the great Lee Zeldin. We'll take a break. We're going to talk to Nancy Mace. Keep it right here.
Oi! This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. <laughs> Well, I guess I screwed Kenzie Mace. I mean, not literally, of course. Married to the beautiful Danielle, but I got no time for it, so now she has to come on tomorrow. We had so many great guests on today. today? I ran late with O'Reilly and Lee Zeldin and yeah. you know, Judge Knapp and um, who else? Uh, Curtis and, uh, oh, Alan Dershowitz. I mean, I, the show today was like most people's months. It's always like that every day. You know, years ago, many years ago, I called Chuck Todd. You guys uh, hate him. I don't care. He was my friend. He's gone anyway now. So now you got Kirsten Walker. She's worse. So I called Chuck, and um, this is before Trump, before he went totally crazy, when people were still relatively normal. Now they're all tards. You know, I actually said the R word on the set of that movie, that jailhouse jerky crew movie I made last week with what a great cast, Tony Darrow and the number one Guido and Peter Gordio and Chuck Zito. And others. Paul Borghese, Taylor Lappy. So I said the word, the, the retard word. And uh, Chuck Zito says, you know, you can't say that word anymore. I said, I know, I know. He goes, yeah, for now one, you have to say Democrat instead. <laughs> and the whole crew broke up laughing. Yeah, plus it was Chuck Zito telling the joke. Right, so, so you better laugh so anyway. I'm laughing no matter what he says. <laughs> it is funny, though. <laughs> yes, it's clever. It's great. Yeah. Whatever. I love you, Chuck. I, love, I do love Chuck Zito. I, I, I spent most, most of those days taping I spent talking to Chuck, to be honest. He's got great pictures and stories and longtime friend of Trump, 45 years, all the boxing stories, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme, all that stuff. But uh, so I called Chuck Todd. So I said, listen, my wife and I, Danielle and I, came up with this term, and we called it spolitics, which combines sports and politics, because at the time... My radio show down in Miami, I was doing what I do here, which was a lot of sports and politics. And the only guy that really did that back then was Keith Olbermann. That was it. Now you got, uh, who's the guy that wrote that book, Republicans Wear Sneakers 2? He's annoying. He's uh, on uh, Outside or Kick, uh, Outkick, or he's on Fox News like every day. Who's that annoying guy? You like Out, him, I think. Outside. Out, uh, outkick or Out. something. Yeah, he's, uh, oh, Clay Travis. That's who it is, Clay Travis. So, okay. so I was relatively, I was like a pioneer, sports and politics together, you know. And I said, I want to do a show called Spolitics, combining sports and politics. And if you listen to today's show between me and Bill O'Reilly talking about Bill Belichick and the first couple of minutes of me and Lee Zeldin talking about the Knicks, and somehow O'Reilly was able to weave all that into politics, that was the genius behind Spolitics years ago. Now, of course, it never happened because NBC hated me then, and they hate me now even more. It was never going to happen. But it's a brilliant idea, and that is partly what this show is. And that's why we attract the audience we do, because most of the 30, 40, 50, 60-year-old guys that I know love sports, and politics, but they get bored if you only do one. So eventually, Boomer Esiason bores them, and Evan Roberts bores them, and Sean Hannity bores them. But when you give them both, Sam's Club, remember? Remember I told you that story? I don't want to. I know 
Chinese restaurants serve egg foo young, not Italian restaurants. I know that. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be Sam's Club. I want to offer all of it. And that's what we do. Okay. You're just drifting away. Don't worry about it. Just, it's about, about, I'm talking to myself. I, I, I know exactly actually, what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm talking to myself. You are the one. Oh, is this on? Sure. <laughs> You're, no, I told you. Made eight I told you <laughs> when my owner Steve Lapa called me in the offices in Pompano Beach and yelled at me for interviewing Mitt Romney instead of some wide receiver for the Dolphins. He said, "You're at a sports station. You don't talk politics. They don't serve egg foo young in an Italian restaurant." Okay, got it. And that's where I said, "Well, I want to be Sam's Club. I want to be BJ's. I want to have everything: sports, politics, sure. entertainment." I don't care. Whatever our demo likes, I want to bring it. And you can do it. You're doing it. God, I hate and you. Don't roll your eyes. I, I, I just. No, I know. Okay. I, I mishandled um, you all those oh, years. I just. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate oh, yeah. it. But you want to count all those years? You want to know how, how we put up with me? How long? Want to know? Well, what was more difficult? Him putting up with you? Or you putting up with him? <laughs> you, I'll let you decide. I don't know. You felt oh, him putting up with me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. What was yeah. more difficult, him putting up with you or yeah. you putting up with him? Yeah. How's Rob Bartlett feeling? I, I'm i reading bad accounts lately. I don't know. For five years, I've been reading he's going to die. <laughs> I, I, I mean, seriously, read, I, every day. One. So you I'm never kidding. read one that said he was dying? No, only you who come in and say, uh, he died last night. Well, I mean, every time I hear about Rob, he's dying, he's sick, he's sick, he's dying. I mean, I, don't want him. I love Rob. You know, well, I don't love him, but a little bit of a backstabbing weasel. Yeah, he's not Sam's Club, I'll tell you. Well, that. he ain't Sam's Club, no. He is Egg Foo Young. <laughs> you know, when uh, we celebrated Elvis's birthday here the other day, for a second I almost missed him. And then I realized how stupid those fat Elvis bits were, and then I didn't miss him so much anymore. <laughs> it's part of wanting everything. I missed number three today. Sam, uh, Sam's Club. No one who continues to tell me that the I-Man lives in you. Kind of like that scene in the movie Ghost when Ted Danson jumped into Whoopi Goldberg's body. Every now and then, the Eye Man jumps into my body. There's way too he many does. comparisons in this segment. I can't, <laughs> I'm way out there. I don't know huh? what's going on. So when I come to work tomorrow it's with young. a cowboy hat on and, <laughs> and my burner gun. <laughs> you better bring the oxygen tank behind you, too. Oh, i got to bring that, too. Yeah. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. has resigned after 17 years and six national championships at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Saban calling it quits. Crazy uh, crazy day today. Nick Saban calls it quits at Alabama, and Bill Belichick is out with the Patriots. Some say the two greatest 
in their respective fields. We report, you decide. So last year when my uh, pipes burst in my house, I ended up, uh, told this story many times, but for about a six-month period, I lived here in the city, back in New York City, and I lived at uh, two hotels and eventually got an apartment, which I liked more than my wife did, in Battery Park. But the two hotels I lived at, one uh, right here on 44th and 2nd, the UN Millennium, Millennial, I don't know what it's called, and then a hotel on East 33rd and Park, a um, Hilton, right next to Wolfgang's. And I liked it there, and I'm staying there again tonight, so I'm going back. Not because I liked it that much there, <laughs> but tonight is uh, the big Rosenberg dinner with the Savetskys. I've met Dr. Ira and Lizzie many times in this studio, but Danielle has never met him. So the four of us, Dr. Ira and Lizzie Savetsky and me and Danielle, will have dinner at a very nice kosher restaurant here in Midtown. And you guys know, of course, how much I love both of them. But Lizzie, really the voice of the Jewish people since October the 7th, she has been a godsend, been on this show many times. So the Savetskys and the Rosenbergs are going to eat some dinner later on tonight. You want to come, Lou? Uh no. Okay. Well, at least you thought about it. I did. I gave it a... Is it the kosher food you don't like? If you went to an Italian restaurant, would you be more inclined to come, or do you think you'd be bored by the conversation of Jews the whole night? I'd say it's a good combination yeah, of both, both, both of those sure, things. Sure, sure. Yeah. Right. You don't eat a lot of kosher food, do you? Mm, no, I just eat whatever's put in front of me. You don't care it. whether it's kosher or I not. I really don't care. No, yeah. I don't care. I think it's a little uh, early to be discussing uh, kind of food. I, just, I got it, Coach. I, just, I got it, Coach. It's just, a Bill Belichick. I just, I just uh, <laughs> we haven't talked to my family, and it's, uh, I just, it's early, it's early right you now. Know, I'm going to say you? this. If I'm a Jet fan right now, I'm, I'm miserable. I'm sorry. Robert Sala can't coach. I don't so, care how many times Beningo plays golf with the guy. He can't coach. He's awful. He's awful. He's awful. So that's Terrible. So Rodgers will come back next year. They're still going to be just okay at best. He's going to get fired. But if they fired him today, they can go get Belichick. Why don't they do that? Because Bill won't come here anyway. Why not? Because he needs, He wants a young quarterback, not a 40-year-old guy about to leave, and then the Jets have no quarterback again. Come to Philadelphia. Well, he comes. Hurts. He sucks, too. Hurts. He's overrated, huh? So he comes. They draft him. He doesn't want to. He, he already had the Jet job. So he had it for six, six hours. Okay, that was enough for him. Okay. <laughs> He wants to go to. He wants to go to some warm. He's got a condo in Florida with Bill Parcells. He wants to go to L.A. or San Diego. He's on a coach in Jersey. So at least call the guy. Well, you can't call him. him. You got Salah. So what? Fire Salah. That's what we're saying. Started. You got Nick Saban out there. You got Bill Belichick out there. You know, maybe Pete Carroll will come by. I don't know, but Robert Salah can't be the answer. I'm going to come into the restaurant tonight where you guys are having dinner with a big sign that says. Fire Salah. Yeah. Will that be all right? Then you let me sit in What do I care? Okay. Doesn't mean anything to me. I'm just going to have my falafel anyway. My hummus and oh, I'm tahini. Coming. Now I'm coming. You like the old baba ganoush? Sure. Good. Huh? What? No, no, baba ganoush. <laughs> Fire him. Well, we on the Sid Rosenberg Show, and uh, we are not WFAN, but we believe the Jets should fire their coach today with this, just this immense amount of veteran Hall of Fame talent at both levels out there available today. I'd fire Fatso with the Giants, too. Hmm. He's fine. He's okay, Dave. Okay. At least he's fat and smart. Unlike Chris Christie, he's fat and stupid. <laughs>
We're done for today. Hey, Robert, welcome back to um, WABC. He did what you did. He went to WOR. And you, like, did you forget where you worked? I did for a second, yeah. <laughs> Talking so much sports, I was back on the band. But he uh, he went to OR like you and Noam did and found out that the grass is not always greener and the place is a disaster. <laughs> I like Cuddy, but I mean, come on. There's another. I mean, come on. <laughs> so it's like Belichick. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, well, we, uh, we'll see what we can do. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Lewis, you're brilliant. Justin Ella, great job. Noam Layden, God willing, as Gene would say, we got a big Friday show coming up tomorrow. Until then, folks, from all of us to all of you on Sid and Friends in the Morning. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.